And at one point in the 80s, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, had considered glyphosate a probable, possible carcinogen. But Monsanto, using their regulatory power and, and their political connections, basically, in the Reagan administration, were able to get that reversed and get and get um, glyphosate and Roundup 100% approved. But here, the thing is, when they did those tests, they didn't know anything about endocrine disruption. Endocrine-disrupting chemicals, the ability of your body to be impacted at very low levels, very low levels of chemicals, parts per billion, even parts per trillion, disrupting your sexual hormone chemicals. But the ironic thing is, um, recent research, and this is mostly being done in Europe, a study found that just 0.1 parts per billion of Roundup, and that's 0.05 parts per billion of glyphosate, altered the gene function of over 4,000 genes in the livers and kidneys of rats. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Dave Murphy, the Executive Director of Food Democracy Now!, this grassroots community of more than 700,000 farmers and citizens is dedicated to reforming food and agriculture. In the past decade, Dave has helped pass more than a dozen bills at the federal, state and local level in the USA, as well as major amendments in the Farm Bill that advocate for transparency and farmer protections in the marketplace. He has also worked as an environmental and food policy lobbyist and political strategist. His writing has appeared in The Nation, The Hill, Huffington Post, and The New York Times. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast for a special offer from Dave. All right, Dave Murphy, my man, it is so great to finally get you on Living 4D with Paul Check to talk about a very, very important topic, which is glyphosate, which is the dangerous, one of the dangerous ingredients in Roundup. And I'm excited to have you here to share, particularly since you've probably done more looking into this than most people on the planet. So thanks for for sharing with us, Dave. Well, thank you, Paul, so much for having me on. It's an honor to be on your podcast. And I really appreciate this chance to talk, you know, about the health of the American people and really the health of our environment what we're doing to it. Well, thank you. Um, what I'd love is if you could give us a brief summary of your background and what got you so interested in and devoted to protecting people and how food uh, food democracy now got started and what it's all about. Sure. Well, that's uh, I'll give you the, try to give you the short version, but um, we started Food Democracy Now! back in December of 2008 here in Iowa because we saw there was a real lack of... Um, a coherent national conversation on food and agricultural policy, especially on how it was impacting family farmers in the Midwest and also the environment. I'm from a small town in Iowa, and I actually moved back to Iowa in 2006, the summer of 2006, to help fight a factory farm that was going to be built half a mile from my sister's farm. And for most people that don't know, America's food production system is very much out of whack today. Instead of having animals out on pasture, out on in fields like they used to, and having diversified crop rotations, we basically have these giant monocultures of um, genetically engineered Roundup Ready corn and soybeans here in the Midwest, especially. And you know, when I came back to Iowa, the the main way of 
agricultural livestock production. I was the largest producer of hogs and factory farms for hogs and also eggs at egg layers. So that, that was the main issue that I moved back to. And in 2000, summer 2006, it looked like politically Democrats in Iowa were going to do something about it. They controlled the House, the Senate, and the governorship. And that's when I moved back in the summer. And then I worked as a, unfortunately, I worked as a session as a lobbyist at the Iowa State Capitol. And that was really where I, I learned how our democracy actually works. We elect these elected officials on election day, and then they basically go off to work for corporations until it's time to run again. So uh, how, how did you get involved? Like, What drove you to be interested in, in these issues to the point that you devoted so much of your life to it? Yeah, that's a good, great question. And, you know, this is definitely not the path that I chose for myself. I'm, I'm 50 years old, and so I'll just say I went to grad school in New York City. I got an MFA in creative writing. I was hoping to be writing fiction at this point in my life and have maybe a second novel published, but my life got interrupted. I was working actually in Washington, D.C. at the Department of Labor when I got the phone call from my sister. And, you know, my family, we I come from a Republican side of the aisle and um, conservative part of the state. I'm now a progressive Democrat. And I'll just say, we really saw how corrupt the political system was. Uh, and that was what really kept me fighting. Watching the, our democracy go down the tubes to benefit factory farms and pesticide companies while family farmers are going out of business and human health is getting worse. So I'll just say that one of the things that really got me interested in this fight on factory farms was how public policy directly impacts um food production in our country. So in 1995, the Iowa House, Iowa legislature passed a bill, House File 519, which stripped basic local county control for local supervisors, elected officials to have a say on where a factory farm was going to be located in their county. And so they they did a state preemption. They brought that legal authority up to the, the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And it basically became a rubber stamp on approving of factory farms. And if you if you don't know where your meat comes from, you should just get online and Google factory farms. It's basically, you know, animal gulags where these animals are packed in um, into very unsanitary conditions and they have to consume antibiotics just to stay healthy for the for the 90 days to six months that they're going to be in there. And I'll just say watching this piece of legislation track over time in 20 years, um, because that bill was passed and so many factory farms have been built in Iowa, 80% of the family hog farmers have been driven out of business since the 90s. And if you know anything about farming and agriculture in rural America, farmers are the backbone of rural economies and their backbone, you know, a, a lot of our trade agreements. So those were the reasons I got very interested in this. And I really see industrial agriculture as an assault on family farming, the environment and democracy. At the same time, it's interesting to hear you say that. Uh, you know, I have some knowledge of these things, but I'm asking these questions largely for our audience. Um, you know, it's uh, it's 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 really um, we're at a point now where people don't realize what well, a lot of people don't realize that the United States is actually in a court an incorporation. And that the whole system's set up to turn everybody into workers for the corporation. I'm wondering if, in your opinion, this has a lot to do with why corporate interests are 
held so high in um, precedence over human interests? That's another very good question. And, you know, for me, it comes down to money and politics. I, I grew up in a very politically active family. My, my parents threw fundraisers for the Republican governor in the state of Iowa and the senator. Actually, Earl Butts stayed at my parents' house when I was in high school. Uh, you know, just a strange. My dad actually won Earl Butts at a, as a speaker contest to bring to his hometown. And he did that. It's kind of a funny story. But I'll just say the, the big thing is politicians today spend more time raising money from political donors than they do on the everyday working tasks up for their constituents. And I think that's a real crime against democracy. Our founding fathers did not ever imagine that, you know, 200 years from when they struck out against the British Empire, that elected officials like themselves would be raising money from corporations and those corporations would be calling the shots and how they vote. But that's exactly how our system is kind of rigged today. And, I, and it, Citizens United was a very important ruling. And I personally think that both Democrats and Republicans should unite and independence and, and do a, a constitutional ballot initiative to change Citizens United. Because we have to get money out of politics or democracy is going to die in the vine. Well, I tell people all the time, we don't have a government. We have a corporate headquarters. And, and when you, when people start really meditating on what that means, it's, uh, it's certainly not a democracy. And, you know, I know your website got hacked. And I know that many other people who devote their lives to informing people of what corporations and, uh, media streams are not informing them on, but but human beings should have access to to make a, a an informed opinion about key issues. Uh, there, the many of them are being hacked or shut down or uh, hassled by uh, skeptics and people that are paid by large corporations just to find people with opposite messages and and hound the hell out of them. Absolutely. So. You know, what we're embarking on here today is not only a very, very critical issue when it comes to each of our own individual health and the health of our children and the health of the planet itself, but this is really a, a very serious issue of not only the bastardization and abuse of science, but our freedom of speech and our freedom as human beings within a nation that's supposed to uh, espouse itself to being a place for freedom. Listen, you're absolutely correct. We we, um, we are living in a country where our elected officials are now basically foot servants for corporate lobbyists. And it, it just fundamentally has to change. And I, the interesting you bring up, you bring up First Amendment rights, free speech. That's enshrined, you know, in the U.S. Constitution. The, the real funny thing is one of the com one of the things I spent basically five or six years doing was trying to help lead the, the national conversation on labeling genetically engineered foods or labeling GMOs. So we, we really started that process in 2012 in California with the ballot initiative. And, the, and um, basically the biotech industry spent $46 million. We raised a, around $9 million and they, they, they barely won. They, we came within 1.4 percentage points which if anyone knows anything about politics, getting out spent five to one and having every lie on earth told about your ballot initiative, they basically said that labeling genetically engineered foods infringed on their corporate free speech rights. That's how seriously corrupted our democratic system is. 
that literally that you would ask a food company to tell a, a mother that the food she's feeding her children has been genetically engineered. And that corporation says you're infringing on our free speech rights. And that basically our side raised roughly $30 million. And I think the other side total was close more than a hundred million just on ballot initiatives alone. And that doesn't cover their PR costs that they had to ramp up in the last seven years because we were exposing the hidden secret that America's food supply is 75% genetically engineered. That's if you're eating processed foods and if you don't buy organic food. Yeah, it's a serious, it's a very serious issue. And as you know, I've been beating the drum on these issues for a very long time. You know, I started writing about a lot of these uh, important issues probably around the year 2000 or before then. And the amount of research that I turned up was just phenomenal. I mean, and shocking. And it goes all the way back to Rachel Carlson's book, Silent Spring, which I believe was published in 72. And and even that was shocking then. But, you know, uh, I think due to the way the media is being used as the main vehicle of deception, people are really um, distracted from the real issues and don't realize how seriously dangerous these issues are and how profitable all the chemicals and and uh, the side effects of all this you know toxicity in the environment is to other corporations that are holding hands be it the medical system the vaccination system i mean the list is very very long of how the money is just very very abundant for people that not only invest in the disease but in the so-called uh, treatments of these things. And the other sort of a twisted kind of skeleton in the closet is you're describing how corporations are now capable of controlling everything. But in actual fact, anyone that has a driver's license is incorporated into the United States. If you have a social security number, you're considered a corporate entity. So well, the maybe. difference is power and money, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. And, and that's the real question here that we, you know, Americans have to decide for themselves. Are we going to sit back and allow a, a complete corporate coup of the United States government? Uh, you know, I have a lot. I mean, that's the one main driving force that's kept me moving in this direction um, is really my understanding of how found. I studied history in college. I went to Dartmouth and studied history. Um, and I'll just say really the understanding that how this country was built um, by individual families um, going out and settling land. We can talk about, you know, Americans Holocaust against Native Americans or the attack on Native Americans and, and slavery, of course. But I just want to say family farm ownership and individual land ownership and individual business ownership is really foundational to a thriving democracy. And if we don't have family farmers on the land, and they're, they're, you know, Earl Butts was part of a move in the USDA. They ultimately wanted, they conceived of having only 83,000 farmers left in America to help produce our food supply. That's kind of frightening when you think about it. That's, you know, and now they're, they're getting very closely right now to be able to push out driverless tractors and combines out in these fields. And they're, re they're really trying to do is just trying to replace the American family farmer. Because it's more yeah. more efficient for a corporation to come in and steal that wealth using scale. Yes, and they have uh, stolen a lot of that wealth. And you know, to sort of segue into our next question here, 
Um, when I was doing research uh, on these issues, and and this wasn't that long ago, this particular research, maybe a few years ago, I found that the number one rate of suicide in, in the entire country of India was amongst farmers. And the number one reason was because Monsanto had convinced them to use genetically modified seeds. And when their crops failed and they couldn't make enough money to buy crops because they now no longer could get their own seed, they couldn't feed their families. And so there was a massive, and there probably still is a massive issue with suicide to the point it was the number one category of suicide in the entire country of India, which you know is highly populated. So with that uh, sort of introduction to the devil, can you please give us a little history on glyphosate, the, cl the claims that Monsanto has made about it, and the difference between their scientific claims and what independent research labs and scientists looking into glyphosate have found? And, and what I want to do here, just to preface your answer is, uh, Dave, you gave me glyphosate unsafe on any plate, food testing results, and scientific reasons for your ch uh, for your concern. And that's a 26-page document. I remember reading that on the airplane as I was flying over to, on it, uh, to Austin, Texas, to do a podcast with Aubrey Marcus and Kyle Kingsbury. And I must say, you know, this thing is now covered with red ink and yellow highlights and notes all over the place. This this was a ball buster of a document. I know that uh, you produced that document. I'm not sure who else was involved with you, but I want to make sure that we have a link on the show notes to to uh, for people to download that because there's no way we're ever going to cover what's in that document in the time that we have. But I'd really love if you could sort of just give us a little insight into who Monsanto is, what their ethics are, and then take us into the roundup uh, glyphosate issue from there. No, listen, absolutely. I'm glad to do that. I just want to go back really quickly to something you talked about. Like none of this would be possible. The corruption of science and democracy would not be possible if we had an active press in America. But we have a corporate controlled press. And, and you brought up um, Rachel Carson in Silent Spring earlier. And actually it was published in 1962. And that was, you know, she came out. It was serialized in The New Yorker in 1962. Ironically, um, not that long ago, maybe like just three or four years ago, the New Yorker had a hit piece out on Vandana Shiva, and you talk about the Indian farmer suicides. So the Indian farmer suicides are very important because you're right, Monsanto convinced these farmers in a third world country to adopt a Western, a modern industrial agriculture Western practice. They are used to buying seeds or saving seeds and using them from year to year. That's how farmers have done it for millennia. But Monsanto patented and genetically engineered seeds in the 80s and brought them to market in the 90s. And so what happens is farmers had to buy a patent on those seeds, and then they had to buy the chemicals. And the, the, the really what they say is those seeds don't grow if you don't spray the chemicals on them or you don't put synthetic fertilizer. So their farmers' input costs in India skyrocketed. And like you, the interesting thing is Vandana Shiva, who's, for those who don't know, Vandana Shiva is an Indian activist. Um, and I laughed because a New Yorker article described her as a tree hugger. And I was on stage with Vandana Shiva a year or two later, and I just laughed. I said, Vandana, that just made me love you better, even more, that you actually went out there in the forests of India and you hugged trees as a form of protest for, for logging. 
But anyway, they had a hit piece in Bandana Shiva claiming, and she has a PhD in science, that she didn't know what she was talking about, that these actually suicides in India that were taking place were taking place because of the debt. Well, the ironic thing, like we've said, all that debt was because they bought Monsanto's products and they were overpriced and they, they, were, they did not perform as promised in those farmers or fields. So many farmers, the yield gains failed to show up and they went out of business. And sadly, a lot of them, it was, I think at one point it was 250,000 Indian farmers had committed suicide. And I think that was around 2012. And I think that it came to the attention of uh, Prince Charles and he started speaking about it in the press. And that's when Monsanto's PR time, PR team panicked and kind of went into overdrive. And that's how Vandana Shiva started getting attacked internationally in the media. Yeah, you know, it's well, before you get into the rest of it, you're just triggering me to share something. One of the things that I found in my research, you, you know, I wrote a book called What Uncle Sam Isn't Telling You About Organic Food and Organic Farming. Um Oh, what's it called? I, there's another name to it. It's been a while since I looked at it, but it's a, a you know probably a 110 page document full of research showing that we're being manipulated by the government, by chemical corporations, and and all the kinds of issues that we're talking about. It's called Under the Veil of Deception. What Uncle Sam isn't telling you about organic food and organic farming, and it was a bit technical, so I. Uh, I kept it to give away to my holistic lifestyle coach level two and higher students. But one of the things that I found in the research that really upset me, and I found this over and over again, is that almost all the pesticides, rodenticides, herbicides, fungicides that have been banned by the FDA because they were toxic, such as DDT, are still being used in third world countries. And one of the researchers uh, used the example. He said, for example, if you go to a, a supermarket in San Diego, you are very likely to find DDT if you test that food because it's used in Mexico and they practically give it away in order to try to get these third world countries hooked on it. But the one of the things that kept popping up is not only are these dangerous chemicals being used in third world countries, but a lot of the food that is in our supermarkets is coming from these countries and it's not being tested for these chemicals when it crosses the border. So the American public has been led to the belief that we're we're being protected against these things, but it's actually just another scam job. And these corporations are willing to do anything to hook these third world farmers on the use of chemicals and fertilizers. And the the uh, kind of the there's a, a few sort of sad issues that emerge. One, we're, we're being poisoned by these things consistently. Two, they're wiping out these third world countries. And three, in all the documents I looked at that showed these third world farmers using these chemicals, not one of them was wearing any protective gear. Yet when I look up research on the use of those chemicals in any American application, they're people that are applying them are always wearing something like almost a full hazmat suit. You can see them on tractors wearing white suits with face protection, Absolutely. with goggles on. Yet every single report, I would say at least 40 or 50 that I found, these third world workers are just carrying these things by hand, touching them and have no idea 
what they're getting themselves into, and it's causing all sorts of cancer and diseases amongst these people, and they don't have medical support either. So, I mean, the the ruthlessness and the complete lack of ethics and morals is absolutely disgusting. And the fact that these things are making it across the border and they're still on people's plates is an issue that seems to never make it into a mainstream consciousness nor government. And it's as though people are too busy playing with iPhones and video games to give a shit, which is a dangerous way to uh, live because as we both know, there's enough issues of all kinds of disease right now that people are, uh, you know, our whole nation is sick. The whole, I mean, look at Australia, yeah. which is considered to be a, a, a one of the places where fit, healthy people live and they have a lot of outdoor sports has a, a, a 62% of its population is now overweight or obese. And for me, that's just mind boggling. Well, yeah, I mean, the source of the, the, it's a global epidemic of obesity and chronic poor health. It's, it's lifestyle choices are food, basically heavily processed foods. It has chemical residues and food democracy. Now we were one of the first groups that tested for glyphosate and, and using an, we are the only ones that tested using an FDA certified lab. So when we tested glyphosate, we knew there was going to, in 2015, 2016, we knew there was going to be a lot of blowback from which is formerly the corporation formerly known as Monsanto from St. Louis. They were bought out by Bayer last year. I think it was a $63 billion merger. And, um, you know, Monsanto basically has gotten away with this for f over four decades, telling a lie about the safety, the false safety of their, of their product. And, you know, and you're right. Third world countries, it's ironic that you, you were, you're talking about how farmers in third world countries don't wear protective gear. And I grew up in, in Iowa and Minnesota in the seventies. And my father, a lot of his clients and customers were farmers. So we would drive all around rural Iowa, rural Minnesota. And in the, I, I'm probably about 12 years old. I mean, it's hot middle of the summer, beginning, you know, be, beginning of the summer, end of spring. And my dad, we just driving past a farmer and he's out there on his sprayer. No, no protective gear in. He's dipping his hand in the tank. And my dad says, 30 years from now, there's going to be an epidemic of cancer here in um, rural America. These farmers, they don't know this. My dad, and my dad basically, he missed, he was one of the last um, soldiers that went to North Korea. Six weeks after he went to North Korea, all his friends from high school and college went to Vietnam. So I'm just saying, my dad was well aware of Monsanto and, um, Agent Orange use and, and it's damaged the Vietnam veterans. And I'll just say, that's another one of those things. Who is Monsanto? Today, Monsanto is producing the seeds that grow the processed foods in the United States. And now, unfortunately, due to a global economy, that's expanding. Obesity rates are skyrocketing after NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement passed in the 90s um, due to heavily processed food being shipped down to Mexico. And, you know, basically you have a corporation today responsible for producing your food. They produce some of the most toxic chemicals on the planet, um, Agent Orange, DDT, Dioxin, and PCBs. And their corporate history reads like a who's, who's who of sociopathic behavior in corporate America. It's really, a, a, it's, it's, I'm surprised after studying their history that they've survived this long, but, um, the really sad thing is today, you know, right now there's, this is a third court case today is being opened up in the, in the Bay area. 
Uh, and just in the last month, uh, the second um, case that showed harm are from glyphosate with, with Edwin Hardiman came to a close in, in San Francisco and basically found that Monsanto was grossly negligent and failed to warn, you know, failed to warn consumers that their popular weed, weed killer Roundup was, would likely or possibly cause cancer. Well, you know, a while back, I know you and I have been having these conversations for what, two years now? Yeah, two years. Yeah, well, when you and I first started talking about this and I got this report from you, I immediately emailed it to my father. And, and you know, I was raised on a farm, a, a productive farm. And my father was the president of the Comox Valley Farmers Association, where I'm from on Vancouver Island in British Columbia for a number of years. And when he read this report, his he wrote me an email back and he said, um, the devil is being sold to bear and that's even worse. So he was yeah. letting me know in, in his opinion – that Monsanto was less dangerous than Bear. Now, you know, for me, having not looked into Bear very much, but my father knew all about them. I'm curious, what are what are we getting into with Bear that we weren't already into with Monsanto? My God. Well, I would say, listen. Your father obviously is very smart. Bear is not just a pharmaceutical company. Um, you know, they are. They also have pesticides, and you know, they were active. Uh, you know, during the Nazi period. So I'll just that we can leave it at that. You know, they're they're not a good company. They don't have a great corporate history, but it is fitting that the mo- one of the most toxic chemical companies in America is sold to Germany's Bayer. It's just it's karmically fitting that these companies are responsible for harming the environment and human health in a very significant way. And they and sadly, our legal system allows them not just to continue their existence, but to thrive and be multi-billion dollar industries where the funny thing is, you know, the um, people are starting to um, now that, now that Monsanto has lost two jury trials, unanimous jury trials in the last eight months, it's, it's basically cost. So they, they were, they had a merger that started in 2017 and finalized in 2018. So Bayer paid $63 billion for Monsanto. The good news is these lawsuits Monsanto, no, the corporate name doesn't exist anymore. It's been absorbed into Bayer. So since that merger went through last summer, Bayer has shares have lost more than 35% of their value or a total of $37 billion in market capitalization. And that's because their, their corporate executives and their lawyers failed to do due diligence on who they were buying with Monsanto. You know, and they're now Wall Street's now asking, well, who would have who would have thought that that Bear would have come into these problems with Montano and these lawsuits? I'm like, anyone that had read a basic had a basic understanding of Montano's corporate history, and you know, and the reason this whole these all these lawsuits actually started is because in 2015, the World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer declared after after a review of all the published peer-reviewed studies, they declared glyphosate a probable human carcinogen. And they, it's, they believe it's a definitive carcinogen in, in lab animals and livestock, but it's a probable human carcinogen because they don't have enough scientific evidence at that point to make a definitive classification. 
And when you're involved in a cancer lawsuit, causation, it all hinges on the causation of the science of causation, how cancer actually is caused by this chemical. We're, I mean, like you said, our, we are swimming in a chemical stew on a daily basis. I think that your average child today is born with over 150 to 200 chemicals in their um, umbilical cord. That's They're baked in the womb. But I'll just say, you know, Monsanto has gotten away with this for so long, but, but the chickens are finally coming home to roost. I mean, they're losing 35, 30, I'm sorry, $37 billion in market capitalization. I think we finally have Wall Street's attention. Well, it's it's important, and and the you know the issue that that I wish thirty seven billion dollars was enough to really stop this silliness, but it isn't. I you know I think you've been around long enough to know that the depth of these corporations' pockets and their willingness to uh, uh, cover things up and spend another thirty seven billion to keep the game going is is uh, undeniable. Um, you know, it's, it's, this is a, I mean, this is a very scary topic. Uh, and, and it's, you know, I even have a hard time being brutally honest with my students because a lot of them just collapse into themselves. Like, you know, they've seen the devil and they don't know what to do about it. But the real thing for me boils down to it's a democracy and, and people have got to stop being complacent. I mean, we sat back for years and watched wars go on and believe the media without realizing this is just nothing but but uh basically uh, games that as as um jordan uh what's his name jordan maxwell uh, expert on symbology and an expert on all this stuff says that you know you have to re- remember there's a reason they call the operation of a war a theater because for these guys it's all about making more money and using what we call the military to steal resources from other countries so when you start getting inside of this thing, you realize how incestuous and how dangerous it is. But for example, I when I looked at my research that I was doing, it showed that there wasn't a single waterway on the planet that could be found that wasn't polluted with dangerous farming and industrial chemicals. And we have major problems all over the world. I mean, we've got the Great Barrier Reef dying. We've got oceans dying. We've got, you know, thousands of sea lions and uh, showing up. On, on, I remember off of, uh, I think it was Maine when I was doing my research, there was like 5,000 sea lions that just died and they looked into it and found that it was a virus wow. that they normally have no problems defending themselves against, but concluded it was all the chemicals in the ocean was debilitating their immune systems and they could no longer protect themselves against natural threats in their environment because their immune systems are so weakened. We've got you know, reports from all over the world of fish now losing their sexual traits and frogs and creatures having, endocrine. you know, unusual appendages. Yeah, they're having yeah. complete endocrine failures in their Endocrine disrupting chemicals are causing that. And yes, a- I, atrazine, you know about atrazine being one of the main uh, ones. Yeah, there's lots of them, but the, a lot of these things are estrogenic. So they're stopping the males from being fertile. And, you know, we can get into this a little bit later because I left a question on this, but we're, I mean, the magnitude, when you start adding all this stuff up, the magnitude of it is, is that, you know, we're in a, we're in a very, 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 very dangerous situation and and people are so passive, they don't realize what's happening right under their nose, but we're, 
we're like a hair's breadth away from collapsing nature's natural systems that support us. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, and there's major new reports coming out of some science in Europe. You know, in, in some estimations, 60, 50 to sixty percent of the insect population is, if not more, has collapsed globally. Yes, I was. That's what I was going to get into later. But you know, since you brought it up, you know, I shared that with my father, and my dad responded to me and he said well do you remember when you were a kid on the farm how the mosquitoes would practically eat you alive and just carry you away he said well in the last several years there's hardly any mosquitoes anywhere and he and he said when i was having this conversation with him and i shared the research that you had sent me on the insect traffic and he he agreed it's it's most likely due to all the farming chemicals and and you know (laughs) Remember what the title of that article was? It was something to do like Armageddon may be here. No, it, and it was insect the insect apocalypse is here. The New York right. Yeah. In the yeah, New York so, but people don't realize that insects are essentially not only the keepers of the soil, but they're the sex organs of the planet at large. I mean, yes, we have pollinization by wind, but the number of uh, plants that have to be pollinated by insects and and creatures like bees and things like that is significant enough that if we wipe that population out with all this chemical silliness, uh, well, we end up, we may end up exactly where these corporations want us. And it rem- reminds me of an old movie. I don't remember the name of it, but everybody had to eat a product called Soylent Green that was manufactured in a in a, a factory because there was no food left on the planet. Kind of a Mad Max type environment. Charlie, yeah, is it? Charles Heston. Uh, you know, it's been, it was long, long time ago, but I, I it stuck with me. Like everybody's eating this uh, commercially based food, and that's the only thing there is to eat on the whole planet. And and we're we're getting there, and it's uh, you know. So well, the, it's, uh, kind of, I don't want to interrupt, but I'm just saying it's hilarious that you mentioned Soylent Green uh, because Charlton Heston that was one of his famous roles. But there was actually a company called Soylent in the Bay Area. That on and you can Google them. You go to Soylent on their website. They proudly use GMOs, and they're they're happy about that. But the problem is, <laughs> hilariously, they had a recall because a lot of people were getting sick eating Soylent. And this is what Silicon Valley's um, idea of food is. It's it's basically a a protein drink that you that replaces food. And this is what they sit in front of their computers all day long, and that's what they want to. That's what they think is going to be the solution is basically just some kind of drink to, to down. And that's where you can get all your, your nutrients from. But they had a recall last, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, and it was linked to one of their GMO ingredients. So ironically, they're so proud of GMOs. They had a recall directly linked to it. Now the mainstream press probably won't tell you the story that way, but that's just how it is. It's kind of entertaining. Well, I'm going to bring something up that I didn't plan, but I think it's really uh, relevant right now. And that that's something I've been telling people for a long time. And I've even had doctors write back to me and say, oh, my God, when you stated that in your response to so-and-so, it blew my mind. I never even thought to think of food this way. But what we have, unfortunately, and this has a lot to do with uh, the way nutrition is taught in universities – is we have this concept that a calorie is a unit of energy. Yeah. And that really when you're eating food, you're just eating energy. So people go out and shop for food 
the way they shop for cheaper gasoline, think it's just energy. In other words, your car just needs gasoline to run on. So if you can get it for 10 cents or 30 cents cheaper a gallon, then just go to the cheaper place. But when you apply that concept to food, it's extremely dangerous because food is not just energy. Food is critical information. Everything we eat carries some kind of information that affects our biological systems and even our emotions and our psychological profile. The number of young people that have written to me through my YouTube channel or directly uh, to my wife or to the Czech Institute talking about serious problems with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, very scary, negative, dark thinking – and ask me what to do about it. And I tell them the first thing you got to do is switch to as much organic food as you can because the chemicals that are coming into your body are disrupting your psychological health and distorting your physiological systems and confusing them. So a lot of the thoughts are the products of the chemicals and the effects that they have because whenever you have biochemical reactions in the human body, you have energetic field reactions. Just like if you take An example I give my students is if you're sensitive enough to feel this, it's easy to feel. But if you just take a bowl of water and just put it in a – take drinking water and put it in a bowl and just put your hands around the bowl and just connect yourself to the energy in the water. Now, a lot of people that are clogged up won't feel anything. But then I say, now have someone take a pinch of sea salt or just a pinch of salt and drop it in the water, and instantly you'll feel a surge of energy because of the chemical activity in the water. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. That, yeah, and you can do that with lots of chemicals. In fact, the there's what are called ethers. So in Steiner's teaching, you have earth, water, fire, and air, the basic elements that create life, and each one of them has an ether. So the uh, the, the earth has the life ether, Water has the tone ether, fire has the warmth ether, and air has the light ether. So ethers are forces that are coupled with these energies. So if you sit next to a fire, the flames go up, but the warmth comes out at you. So when you're dealing with chemicals, anytime you have a chemical interaction, it changes the vibration of the matrix. And since in the human body, all chemical reactions are water dependent, When you have one chemical meeting another chemical in your body, whether it be neurotransmitters or hormones or vitamins or any such chemical, it actually causes a shift in the vibrational resonance of the cell and the surrounding myelu. And what I'm driving at here is that like, when you eat a carrot, you're eating something that has the energy and the information of that specific root vegetable And that specific root vegetable is a natural food for human beings who come from the regions of the world where carrots grow. And the carrot actually provides unique information that your body uses to regulate physiological systems. And Steiner went to great length. Like, for example, he shows that potatoes have a huge effect on the brain of human beings and gives elaborate explanations as to why. The Egyptians, if you study nutrition and go all the way back to the Egyptians, They talked about foods that look like a brain feed the brain. Foods that look like kidneys, like kidney beans, feed the kidneys. And people used to think that kind of stuff was just a bunch of old, outdated crap. But you can actually find research now, scientific research, showing lo and behold, the Egyptians knew what the hell they were talking about. So 
the point I'm really driving at is everything that we eat in its natural source that we're that our unique individual biology or genetics needs, for example, you know, someone from the Inuit people or the Eskimo people, they live off about 90% fats and proteins from fish and wildlife, and only about 10% of their food comes from plant-based carbohydrates because sure. plants don't grow in ice. So there's a, a, a group of people whose bodies have adapted to utilizing the energy and the information in their environment, which turns out to be exactly what supports them in that cold, uh, harsh environment. Sure. But if you start throwing a bunch of pineapple into those people and feeding them a bunch of carbohydrates, as we all know, they become very sick and have problems with diseases because it's not only the energy, but it's the information. It does not regulate their systems effectively. Pineapple is something you eat in hot weather and has a cooling effect on the body. So if you get a bunch of Eskimos eating pineapple, it'll make them cooler and if you're already in, you know, 60 degree below zero weather and you start cooling your body off, you're in deep trouble. Yeah, probably nothing good's going to happen in that environment. If you're No, and and so that's what the whole basis of metabolic typing is all about and why I teach primal pattern eating and teach people to connect to their body and their soul to learn which foods their body wants because the wisdom in our cells is far, far greater. Bruce Lipton says our subconscious mind has 4 million times the processing oh, yeah. power Bruce of our Lipton's conscious a, mind. Yeah, Bruce Lipton's amazing. I'm glad you brought him up. That's good. But the point I'm driving at here that's so critical with this discussion is people don't realize that when you're eating foods that are covered in pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, you're eating genetically modified foods – our genes can take thousands of years to learn how to break down the defense chemicals. All plants have defense chemicals. They don't want to be eaten any more than we do. Sure. So when we spend generation after generation developing enzyme pathways and systems for uh, enabling us to eat key plants, but all of a sudden in the span of 100 years, there's thousands and thousands of foods out there that the body has no idea what they are. It has no idea what these chemicals are. And each one of these chemicals inputs information into the body that acts like a virus in a computer. It confuses our biological systems. It confuses our biochemistry. And one of the things that came out of my research that I was reminded of looking at your report on glyphosate is that one of the things that that honest researchers looking into these chemicals have said is that although the manufacturers of all these chemicals give you parts per billion for what's safe, what they never tell you is what happens when you combine these chemicals or what happens when you put them in an oven. And due to the heat in an oven, it can cause recombination. And they said that new chemicals that have never been seen before routinely are manufactured even in the cooking process in somebody's house and your liver has no way, no mechanism for identifying or breaking these chemicals down and that can easily lead to uh, gene damage, destruction of our chromosomes, which leads to, you know, all sorts of uh, devils in the kitchen, so to speak. Uh, no, absolutely, yeah. Listen, America is right now on the, the front line of a major health epidemic. Um, we, you know, there's a minimum, and you know this better than I do, there's a minimum of 70 million Americans that suffer from digestive disease, epidemic of, you know, digestive and autoimmune diseases. It costs the U.S. over 
hundred billion dollars in in medical bills every year. And I just I'm 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 glad you brought up Rudolf Steiner, who's basically the father. If you don't know, he's the father of biodynamic food production, which does not allow pesticides and synthetic ingredients in it. But you know, we're talking about how food is information, how food is critically important for your health and the foundation of everything you do on a daily basis. And I've learned, I mean, Paul, I just want to, it's been a, a miracle since I met you. I've learned so much about health and nutrition. I would love to go back to, to you. Talk, hey, I want to hear you talk about soil health in a little bit, but you know, I, I'm pulling up a study right in front of me right now. It says glyphosate harms gut bacteria. It basically the way it's, we can go back to a brief history of glyphosate in 1964. It was patented like as a, to clean pipes. Um, like Drano, basically you're, they're pouring Drano on our food. It, it chelates minerals and, uh, to, to, for prof- industrial boilers and trying to clean up the, the pipe corrosion that it caused. But ni- in 1974, Monsanto discovered that it had weed killing properties and they bought it from Stouffer Chemical Company, which was based in Westport, Connecticut. Ironically, they, and they brought it to market. It, you know, pretty quickly in the 70s. And then it, it took 20 years to, to genetically engineer into soybeans and corn and then cotton and canola and sugar beets. But I'll just say, in 2010, Monsanto received a patent from the U.S. Patent Office, which they submitted in 2003. So they'd obviously been thinking about it for a while. But it ha- it's basically an antimicrobial. Monsanto doesn't work just by killing weeds. It shuts down something called the shikimic pathway, which is how a plant produces its aromatic amino acids. And these are, this is something you'll know better, way better than I do. You mean glyphosate. You, you said Monsanto. I'm sorry, glyphosate. Yes, thank you. So basically, glyphosate shuts down. What I should have said is my, Monsanto claims that the, the mode of action of glyphosate is to shut down the, the shikimic pathway. And basically, the shikimic pathway is how plants, bacteria, protozoa, algae, that's how they, they get these they process these three essential amer- uh, uh, amer- aromatic uh, amino acids, and one of them, two of them are tyrosine and tryptophan, which obviously you yes. know you know what they do. But I'm just saying, I have a study in front of me that came out last year, came out May of last year, 2018. It says glyphosate harms gut bacteria and creates anxiety and depression-like symptoms in mice. Ironically, that study was followed by glyphosate. Just a month later, glyphosate harms bees' sense of smell, taste, and reduces their ability to learn. So basically, what the young, high-bound bees are are basically overwhelmed by all the chemicals in the environment, and they can't find their way back to their hive. So we are locked in a system where the food that we're being we're being forced to eat is being sprayed with high levels of pesticides, or weed killers, herbicides. In the case of glyphosate. They claim that the humans don't have humans and mammals don't have a shikimic pathway, so they claim that this has a low toxicity to humans. The ironic thing is, all our gut bacteria, the things that we, you know, seventy percent of our serotonin and dopamine is produced in our stomach, our seventy percent of our immune system comes from our stomach. Basically, all those healthy and beneficial bacteria, and multiple studies have shown this, that glyphosate kills them and harms them. So more pathogenic. Um, microbiome bacteria are prevalent. And that's why people are allergic to gluten. That's why you have this, you know, a, an outbreak, a massive explosion of irritable bowel syndrome, celiac disease, gluten 
gluten, gluten intolerance and sensitivity. Which, you know, you were talking about your, your clients being anxious, anxious and depression prone. It's not just the fact that their food has a lot of, um, too much sugar and not enough fat and too much carbs. It also has too much glyphosate on it. And that was a shocking thing that we found when we did this testing and published it in 2016. The high, the product at the highest level was Cheerios. It literally was yes. off the charts. And the, the crazy thing is the second highest level, it was another, it was Stacy's Pita Chips, which is another wheat product that probably most people think is, is health, healthy. But that came at, at, um, 800 parts per billion. And, and, and the ironic thing about Stacy's Pita Chips is they were non-GMO project verified. So I would just say if you want to avoid chemicals in your food, eat organic or biodynamic or grow your own. That's literally the best and only way you can get, you can guarantee that you're not going to be exposed to the, these chemicals in your food. Well, you know, uh, that I wanted to make this point. I, I had a list of questions that I wrote after I wrote your questions and, and, and or things to comment on. But I've got your report in my hand, and on page five, you start with the amount of glyphosate found in parts per billion, and obviously it's way higher than their own manufactured safe limit, but you have Cheerios, uh, Honey Nut Cheerios, Wheaties, Trix, uh, gluten-free brownie cookies from Annie's, Corn Flakes, Raisin Brand, Kashi, Special K, Frost, Frosted, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, Cheez-Its, Cheez-Its, Kashi. Uh, these must be made by different companies. Ritz Crackers, Triscuit Crackers, or, or Oreo Cookies. Uh, and the list just goes on. You know, there's two pages there. I just and I just want to say this. I never thought that, that Goldfish and Oreos would be safer than Cheerios. But technically, when you look at this report and you see the levels of glyphosate in parts per billion, like literally goldfish, Campbell soup. I mean, it's it's 25 parts per billion is the highest, but it's, it's Cheerios was 1,125.3 parts per billion. And anyone that is feeding their children, that really needs to know today that your child, one bowl of cereal, two bowls of cereal a day at the recommended dose servings will harm your child's microbiome, which will harm their immune system, which could also cause them to have some types of anxiety. And, you know, and have and many and many other psychological uh, issues. And autoimmune diseases like leaky gut or SIBO. Absolutely. And those things all usually come hand in hand. You know, I've worked with thousands of patients. And typically when you see a leaky gut, then you start seeing all sorts of other problems. It's not like these things are individual what it's a knock-on effect you know it's kind of like if you don't put oil in the engine of your car well yes it'll seize up the engine but it can also ruin your drivetrain when the engine locks up and you're going 70 miles an hour and it can cause you to get into a car accident and, and get killed so there's knock-on effects and yeah and it what this made me want to bring up here is that you know uh, as you can imagine, I get athletes and people coming to me with all sorts of problems and they bring in bags of supplements and I am forever getting emails mm -hmm. constantly through all my different sure. media streams. What do you think about this product? What do you think about that product? What do you think about so-and-so coffee or whatever? Uh, you know, and I get a lot of the stuff sent to me, you know, um, I, I won't use stuff that's not organic and 
Uh, well, me neither. What I'm, I, 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 what unfortunately, because I've done so much research, but that's why I get all the organic if I can, you know. Well, here's here's what I'm driving at, uh, and this is this is a real serious issue for the average individual that's not aware of this stuff out there. When you're when you get a like a, a company like Juice Plus, who's got this campaign to take pills so you don't feed your kids vegetables. They say, "Oh, your kids don't like vegetables. Here, you just take these pills and you get X number of servings." But they forget that what you're being sold is dehydrated, commercially farmed crap, and there's no way you can filter out these chemicals. It's just not possible. And, and so what I'm pointing to is that when you're using vitamins that are not organic, when you're using any kind of supplement, hair, body care products, hair care products, house products, um, superfoods, coffee, coffee is one of the most heavily sprayed crops in the world right there with wheat. Some of these crops are sprayed 10 or more times in the warehouse. So the bugs don't eat them up in the warehouse. Wow. So by the time people are, if you start adding up all the supplements, all the vitamins, all the protein powders, all the shakes, all the snack bars, the so-called sports bars, and a lot of people live off of this stuff because they don't actually eat real food. We've got. Can I ask you real quick? To, I hate to interrupt. Yeah. To, can, I'd love to hear your comment on sports bars and how how they should be used in someone's diet. I'm sorry. To, that's just a personal. Well, you know the thing is is. Uh, if it's not made of organic ingredients, yeah. then it's just crap. I mean, just it. Uh, I tell all my athletes and all my clients because this is one of the most common things I see when I start looking at diet logs. Oh, I ate a bag of chips and I ate a steel bar, or uh, I ate a, a, a such and such bar, or this bar, and I'm like. People live off freaking bars and they can't figure out why they can't poop. Well, one, those things are dehydrated and two, sure. they're made of packaged crap. Yeah. And I, you know, an example is, you know, when I wrote my article years ago on whey protein, I showed people you got to be careful. First of all, whey used to be considered a toxic substance. It's very volatile, has to be stable by stabilized by chemicals. Wow. And if you're not getting whey protein from organic cows, you're just getting poisonous whey. Mm -hmm. And the point that I'm driving at is a typical like big jar. Like if you go to uh, you know, one of your your typical nutrition nutrition outlets, uh, or you know, like a supermarket. Sure. You're paying you're paying thirty two to thirty six dollars for for one of these big jars. It's probably about the size of a you know a standard gallon, right? So, I looked into the cost of that whey protein. I went to websites that sell to manufacturers and found that they were selling whey protein to manufacturers in bulk for fourteen cents a kilogram. Wow. And so, what you find out is that the pat the plastic tub and the label actually costs more than the whey protein. And then you okay. got a little bit of car garbage chocolate and some additives, preservatives, some emulsifiers and some stabilizers and some chemical colorings. Mm -hmm. So here we got athletes and people all over the world thinking that they can eat out of these protein, uh, drink these shakes and things and have these bars for breakfast and on the run, it's a protein not bucket. realizing it's not even food. Yeah. It's mostly poison. And of all the athletes that I've worked with over my career of 35 years, the first thing I do 
when they come to me with their bags of supplements is say, I want you to stop all that for seven days. Don't take anything unless you have to because it's prescribed by a doctor. 100% of them came back to me a week later or reported to me, oh my God, I feel so much better. I'm pooping. My skin's clearing up. I'm sleeping better. I'm recovering better. My sex drive is better. Why the hell was I taking all this stuff? And my answer is always the same because you read too many magazines and you watch too much television and you believe that just because some famous athlete is selling the shit on television that it's actually good, but you don't realize half those guys don't use any of those products. They just do it to collect a paycheck. Sure. And I've had some pretty intense conversations with some of my own clients that are very famous yeah. for doing just that. Well, but- you're the right person to set them straight, though, because I'm just saying you're, you are an expert in health, human body. And, and, you, and growing up on a farm, you know all about chemicals and, 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 the so- and soil health and how important that is. So if they're going to get the answer from anyone, it's you. Well, you know, there are other people out, out there that are just as concerned and, and even more educated on a lot of these things than I am. I'm just somebody that, you know, made a living by helping athletes enhance their performance and people get their health back. And my job is to say, okay, well, what's causing this problem and do the research. And the more research I did, the more shocked I got. And, oh, yeah. you know, we're, it's not getting better. It's getting friggin' worse. So, you know, if we can, you know, move forward here, we've talked about that. Uh, you know, one of the things I noticed in your report is that you said the new science says that the uh, safe standards for glyphosate are 1,750 times. I mean, yeah, the new science says that the standards for safe exposure to glyphosate should be 1,750 times lower than the EPA recommends. That That's quite shocking in itself. Well, yeah, it, it's it's pretty fascinating when you learn how your government actually works. I mean, the, the ironic thing is when a chemical company wants approval for a new product, for a new chemical to spray on our food or on the yard or anywhere, they allow the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, allows that company to submit its own research. And in this case, Monsanto submitted a lot of research, which we should get into about the lawsuit in the 70s and 80s on glyphosate. And at one point in the 80s, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, had considered glyphosate a probable, possible carcinogen. But Monsanto, using their regulatory power and, and their political connections, basically, in the Reagan administration, were able to get that reversed and get and get um, glyphosate and Roundup 100% approved. But here, the thing is, when they did those tests, they didn't know anything about endocrine disruption. Endocrine disrupting chemicals, the ability of your body to be impacted at very low levels, very low levels of chemicals, parts per billion, even parts per trillion, disrupting your sexual hormone chemicals. But the ironic thing is, um, recent research, and this is mostly being done in Europe, a study found that just 0.1 parts per billion of Roundup, and that's 0.05 parts per billion of glyphosate, altered the gene function of over 4,000 genes in the livers and kidneys of rats. And this was a famous study that was done in 2012 in France, Seralini. The, the results of this are not from his study, but the, those are the rats that they dissected. And basically, if you don't know, Seralini is a professor, a European uh, scientist in France who basically duplicated the same 
Montana safety assessment on a Montana, a 90 day safety assessment using Sprague Valley rats. And a 90 day safety assessment is basically the first two years is the, the full life cycle of a human. When a lab needs to understand how a chemical would impact a human over its life cycle, it's a two year study. But Montana, these pesticide companies, they only submit 90 day safety assessments. So if an animal is going to be exposed to a chemical for its full life cycle, shouldn't the U.S. government require that? Absolutely. I mean, a full life cycle study. But they had studies from the 80s and 90s that were showing um, possible tumors. And I have those. I have some of these slides on my desk, and they've become pivotal, really pivotal evidence of Monsanto's corruption of science and democracy in these two lawsuits that have just one past, uh, there's two major lawsuits. One is um, Dwayne Johnson, and he was a groundskeeper at local schools in the Bay Area. And he won in August of 2018, a jury trial found a $289 million fine against Monsanto, found them liable for causing him non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And if, for those who don't know, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is basically, it's a cancer of the blood. It's like an immune blood you know, your problem with your immune system and your white blood cells. So ironically, these documents, you know, from the 1980s uh, under Reagan have proved pivotal. And what they show is that, that basically, I'm going to read this is from a 1985 US EPA document. It says glyphosate is onychogenic in male mice. Renal tubal edemas, which are both dose-related and compound-related, have been identified. A consensus review of this study is attached. So whenever a chemist or toxicologist find dose-related um, and compound-related in, into a chemical, that's how you find causation of cancer. And so this 1985 document shows that the EPA at this point was concerned that Monsanto's glyphosate would cause cancer. But they spent Almost, they spent years trying to get that reversed, and they ultimately did. And they, I think they, I can't remember, I don't know if it was Rumsfeld who went in from Searle and, and helped get um, aspartame approved. Yes, yeah, he sure did and made billions off of it. Shocker, that's how your government works. You know, just a, a local, a yokel out there goes in the government, helps get a chemical approved for a company, and somehow ends up a millionaire. I guess that's the uh, Robert Walby Dora at its finest. Yeah, probably a billionaire would be more like it. Uh, but yeah, so there's a couple things that have popped up. One of the things I wanted to share in response to what we're talking about, toxicity, waterways, inability to filter these things out. In my research, when I was writing Under the Veil of Deception, what Uncle Sam isn't telling you about organic food and organic farming, I found a research study where a bunch of scientists were actually doing research on a lake. And I believe it was in um, Switzerland or Sweden, uh, somewhere in, in that region of the world. And they started running chemical analysis on the water in this lake. And I think they were biologists and, and they were shocked to find piles of medical drug residues in this lake. And it's a kind of it was a mountain town and it turned out that a lot of people's sewer systems from their houses dumped into this lake but what blew their mind is that a lot of the chemicals that they found most of which were medical drugs by the way were in what's called the active form like when you take a pill 
it's in its active form, but usually when you pee it or poop it out, it's been deactivated by going through your body, being in contact with microorganisms, various chemical um, pathways that alter the chemical. But they were like, why do we have so much active drugs? And one of the things that they found, it was, it was full of uh, cholesterol lowering drugs and, and heart medications and things like that in this lake. And, they, and their research basically showed them that the bacteria in the lake were taking this stuff into their bodies. And when they excreted, it came out as the active form of the drug. Oh my God. And so the, well, I bet, yeah, the, I bet the, the shock, yeah. the, the shock was, is that that meant every other living creature in that water is on all these drugs. Sure. So the, the point I'm driving at having studied homeopathy and how it works, which is hand in hand with its vibrational medicine. I won't go into the whole explanation. It would take too long. But what that research showed me very clearly, having an understanding of what a homeopathic is, that we now have what I call the homeopathologic effect. Homeopathics are medicines to help you balance the frequencies in your body and reverse the symptoms of disease. But now what we've got is low doses of many, many toxic medical drugs in water systems and many systems take sewer, many cities take sewer water in the city sewer systems to water treatment centers. They filter the sewage out yeah. and they filter the water and put it back into the city water. But people don't realize that when you're drinking tap water, you're on every drug that everybody in town is on. And so well, now wonder my cholesterol is so low, Paul. I'm just- <laughs> well that's that was one of the chief drugs they found in there it was was statin drugs in this lake and this is a part of the world where people are much healthier than they are around apparently i've been eating the right kind of fish yeah and so the, the 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 real key issue though is these drugs are and and chemicals are at very, very low parts per billion yeah. and maybe even parts per trillion. But what the researchers said, which was really like the punchline, is that though manufacturers of these drugs and chemicals usually give you parts per billion, they said that that's actually safer because at a, in the human body, the body, the immune system and the detoxification systems can identify and do something with the chemical in parts per billion. But they said once it drops below a certain concentration, it becomes invisible to the body's defense system, but it still damages the human gene. It still damages the genome because the body can't protect it. And then when you look at it from a vibrational medicine science, and there's mountains of science out there now, I mean, you can actually take something a homeopathic that doesn't have one single atom of the original substance and going to be 1000 times stronger than the source material. So what I'm pointing at is that people haven't even come to the realization that you can even be on an organic diet, but be cooking with and drinking tap water and be getting a constant stream of low doses of these chemicals, which could be and I've had many cases of people telling me, oh, you know, something really strange happened. My brother is a, a exercise enthusiast and a marathoner. He's been eating healthy all his life. But all of a sudden now he's got uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or cancer. And nobody in the family can figure out how this could have happened to this guy. And this is happening so much well, here's the thing. around the yeah, world. Yeah, listen, I totally agree with you. But just we have to say this so your audience understands. It's, it's not just genetically engineered food. So 
Roundup Ready corn and soybean processed foods. The fact is glyphosate is sprayed, and I know you mentioned it's as a pre-harvest drying agent. It's a desiccant, and it's used on wheat, oats, and barley uh, because those crops need to be dried out before they're shipped or they'll, they can become mold or get rotted and stuff. Right. So, but they just, it's a cheap, the Roundup is so cheap, it's a cheap way for these farmers and the grain industry to protect their investment. It, it just turns out that this is the highest level of glyphosate we found. We're in, we're in wheat, oats, and barley products, and other groups have tested, and, and that's basically what we found. So you have to, if you're going to eat oatmeal in the morning, eat organic oatmeal. If you're going to eat bread, eat organic. I'm just saying, like, you know, I'm not, I don't normally give nutritional advice except eat organic food. I myself am on well, a ketogenic diet, as, but it's prescribed by my doctor, so I don't have seizures. So I'm just saying, like, you know, I normally don't give advice. That's your job on nutrition. But I just want your audience to know that really, if you're trying beyond just it's sometimes not always possible to eat organic, but avoid oatmeal in the morning because Quaker oats had very high levels of glyphosate in it and other testing results that have been done. And and also wheat bread had very high, high levels of uh, glyphosate and some other tests that have been done. And German. Well, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, one of the interesting things in your report that's quite wild is that Roundup, the, the, you know, the weed chemical is 125 times more toxic than the glyphosate itself. Yeah. So how, I mean, you, you've got the stats in here, but how much Roundup is being sprayed either in the world or in the United States each year? In the, in the United, I think in the United States, it's over 300 million pounds. We are currently spraying agricultural production. And the, and the fascinating thing is there's maps put out by the U.S. Geological Society. Uh, and it, and that's in, that's in this report, but you can Google it online, glyphosate use per state. And basically the Midwest is blanketed. Basically, you know, the Midwest is blanketed as a, is a dark brown spot on this map. So glyphosate, and I just had a Food Remaxing Now member call me yesterday and say, well, you know, what about all this evaporation of glyphosate in the air? And it's, it actually, the U.S. Geological Survey has found that there's 75% of rainwater and rainwater samples across the Midwest have glyphosate in it. So yeah. you could have an organic garden and avoid glyphosate. I would just say everyone needs, if they grow their own food, and even if you buy organic food, you should wash it when you get home. Anything can get contaminated in the supply chain along the way. But when you have in the, in your rainwater alone, 75% of rainwater in the Midwest, it, it, I mean, this is, and I'm sure I, we interviewed a doctor in 2017 and this, this, uh, the result, this was a doctor in Indiana and they were really concerned about low birth weights. So they tested 120 some women in Indiana and they found out 93% of them had glyphosate in their bloodstream and they, they did it in the urine. They did a urine test. So like 97, 93% had glyphosate in their body. The women with the highest levels of glyphosate also had the worst birth outcomes. So I'm talking about low birth weight, stillbirths, miscarriages. So I'm just saying like, how about, Sorry, how about infertility and glyphosate? I, you know, there hasn't been a U.S. study. Ironically, there hasn't been a, a study in the U.S. about human infertility with glyphosate, but I know there have been at least a, a dozen good studies on reproductive impacts. 
And I, you know, I, you have to question it. Like I have these studies all around my house. Glyphosate's impact on um, male rat gonads. And it's significant. You know, the higher the glyphosate level, I really do believe it, it lowers sperm count. So I would, you know, anyone trying to conceive or have a children, should definitely make sure they try to eat organic food and avoid glyphosate. Eat according to the book called How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Check. I know the author, and, and he's very interested in supporting your health. But a, look, there's a, a, let me put a plug another, in that. It's a brilliant book. And I just want to say your, your, your graphics in that book are the best that I've seen on leaky gut and like zonulin and how, and how, um, you know, foreign, foreign, um, particles work their way through the, the, the gut, the gut to the brain, brain barrier. And how the immune system reacts to it. You know, I tried to make it simple with a cowboys and Indians diagram. Yeah. But one of the, there's a couple of points I want to bring up here because, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, Dave, I, I've studied this stuff that you gave me and you've given me many research papers and it just, oh my God, it starts getting me wound up. And, you know, I, I try to live a, a spiritual life and I, I do my best to, to see the polarities in the world and know that, you know, it's the dance of life. But there are some things that you just got to fucking fight for. And I'm pissed off about all this shit because it's it's absolutely manipulative. It's governments lying. It's scientists lying. And people get bought hook, line, and sinker with shit they read in the news because some PhD said it was true without ever realizing that scientists have now become the world's number one prostitution ring. And that's irritating because I have a real love and respect for honest science. I mean, think of all the great things science has given us, but we also forget that the abuse of science has caused a lot of disease and destruction in the world. And one of the things that, that is important that people may not realize about glyphosate is that it cannot be washed off or peeled off. It's right inside the cell of the damn plant. Yeah, it's... Um yeah, it can't be washed or boiled up. Ironically, the one thing, apparently bleaching, apparently well, I was talking to some of our colleagues in Europe and they were doing testing on bread. Bread, Wheat bread is apparently very popular over in Europe. Not so much in the United States, maybe since, <laughs> since this whole gluten-free craze has taken over. But I'll just say they found white Wonder Bread. They, it kept coming up at zero and they couldn't figure out why Wonder Bread. And that's the bleaching process. But I'm just saying, I, I would never encourage anyone to bleach their products before you sell them to people to, to consume them, food. <laughs> it's just one form of death versus another form at that point. <laughs> Let's just use one killer poison to get rid of another killer poison yeah. and hope that we live. Um, but the, the uh, let's see, there was another thing here. Um, well, there's a couple things I want to bring up. One, your report said that people on an organic diet, uh, had a 90% reduction in pesticide exposure in general. So, you know, the fact is, even though these things are moving around in the rainwater and I've had many people say, oh, what's the point of buying organic? It's getting toxic blow by and rainwater. I'm like, yeah, well, there's a scale of toxicity. I mean, if you eat off an organic farm that's properly managed, you might be getting a little bit from the environment, but you're getting food that's actually got a healthy soil microbiome that's producing 
vitamins, enzymes, phenolics, terpenes, alkaloids, minerals, trace minerals, and there's a living food web that's alive. And soil, soil microorganisms have been shown through science to be able to detoxify themselves. That's why when a, uh, in a legitimate certification for organic uh, food, like the Demeter Association, which is the gold standard, when you want to become a certified organic farmer through the Demeter Association or most real certifications of which there's not very many, you actually have to do a two-year gestation period and they send a soil scientist to your property. They test your soils, identify what toxic chemicals are in there that need to be broken down. Then they work with you to determine what agents you need to add, which microorganisms can help break that down and and balance the chemistry out, but you cannot get your certifi certification to sell as certified organic until the soil is clean, which usually takes about two years to do. Point being is that in a properly run organic or biodynamic farm, the soil microbiome is healthy enough to potentially detoxify the amount of chemicals coming in through rain or blow by. But when you start spraying them on the field, then, then you're done because it's just too much. Yeah. But the, the, that was one of the points is that there's now so much of these dangerous chemicals in the rain that we're in a very, very dangerous situation because the saturation levels can reach the point where it starts damaging the entire microbiome of the planet and doing exactly to the whole planet what it's doing to human beings. And when you look at the numbers of, I mean, yeah, I I've got a book in my, uh, library that shows the amount of pesticides sprayed. I think in 1945, there was only 200,000 pounds of pesticides used worldwide. And by about 2006, it was in the multiple billions of pounds of pesticides. And this isn't glyphosate. Sure. This is just standard pesticides. So when you look at the amount that we're putting into the soil and the rate that the soil can actually detoxify itself and the damage that it does to the food web, we're at a point soon where our soils will will basically not support plant life or produce food that has any uh, significant nutritional profile because the plants themselves are too diseased. Listen, you bring up a really critical point. <clears throat> and that was another way I got really involved in the whole conversation of glyphosate and Roundup here. Being in Iowa, I talked to a lot of farmers and you know, I, I eat organic and I advocate for organic policy, but I, I care about all farmers. I don't, I, I work with farmers that plant GMO seeds and use Roundup and use other chemicals just because that's the style of farming that's been adopted here in the United States because land grant universities have basically convinced farmers that that's the way to be profitable. And I, 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 you brought up the soil biome, the soil microbiome. And I'll just say one of the things that has me most concerned, I know there's major can, there's 11,000 cancer lawsuits underway right now. And I would, I would say when I started this process in 2006 and 2008, I never thought I would hear that. It was to be a possibility, but that's what the whole GMO labeling movement helped build a process of awareness, trying to wake people up to their basic democratic rights. Corporations don't have the right to steal your right to know what's in your food. So the fascinating thing is farmers were convinced to adopt genetic engineering and Roundup because they were told for 40 years that this is safer than table salt. Well, the fact is there's probably nothing more harmful to their soil than Roundup. And it's in uh, being from Iowa, you know, Soil is just about, besides human capital, it's about the only natural resource that we have. So agriculture is very important here. But I'm saying 
we're we're the best topsoil on the planet, and it's wall to wall GMO corn and soybeans. You're right. This soil will not be able to stand up another 10, 20, 30 years of being hammered with synthetic chemicals and synthetic fertilizers and be able to produce healthy food. And that's a fascinating thing. These these GMO companies have found that their yields have plateaued. And they really plateaued because they're, they're killing the growing. The, what, in the Midwest, in land-grant universities, soil is not taught as a living biological organism, dynamic biological organism, which it is. It's fascinating. It's, it's considered like a growing medium, a sterile growing medium. So I would just say modern science that we are in the last decade, the human microbiome and the soil microbiome, they will be the drivers of health in the 21st century. And scientists today need to understand that. And the good news is farmers have understood that for, for years. But nowadays, I think if we can get them off the chemical treadmill system, we can get them in a better food production system, which is not only better for human health, but better for the environment. And ultimately, my dream is to have farmers profitable. So if you don't know, there's a major crisis in rural America where all these main farmers, the commodity farmers, have basically lost money four years, five years straight. The average farm income is, I think, negative $1,800 for the last several years. Well, that that's just friggin' sad. Um you know we're at a we're we're getting to a point now where the only way we're going to survive is to go back to local small economies. You know the 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 whole banking system's another rigged up farce. But the the reality of it is is yep. I don't see us getting any way out of this except doing our own local energy farms with uh uh you know solar panels and yeah. it's where I I don't I honestly when I meditate on this. I see that we have to go backwards in how we do things to a barter system where one guy says, I got some meat. The other one says, well, I've got some uh, potatoes and some carrots and some squash. And one guy says, I can fix your roof. And the other guy says, well, I can take care of your neck pain. And then we're going to have to all start caring for our communities together. And we may actually end up in a situation where we have to protect our communities from invasive organisms called human (laughs) beings with stupid ideas. With with corporate logos. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. And, and, and we, you know, what, what, you know, but then we got issues of airspace. I mean, this is really getting to be a very dangerous, very technical problem and if people don't start voicing this and sharing their opinion, which is what the Czech Institute's really about, I try to inspire people to be the change. Don't just talk shit to people and scare the hell out of them, but show them what it looks like to have a healthy body. Right. Show them what it looks like to have a good exercise program and to have a balanced life. Or, or otherwise, you're just a talking head. But there's a couple things I have that I want to point out here. When it, Just to show how crooked the government is. When I was doing research and all this pesticide stuff, one of the things that came up is that a long time ago, I think it might have been 40s or 50s, I can't remember, but these uh, people were experimenting with radionics, which is using radio wave frequencies. And basically what they found they could do is they could use a radionics device, which would broadcast, they could take a small amount of a, of a pesticide say to kill a certain worm or a certain grub or or beetle 
and they could put it in this device and it would pick up the energy signature and broadcast it. And they had a 95% kill rate, but they had to use zero pesticides on the ground. So what they found is that they could actually use a vibrational frequency that was encoded with the frequency of the pesticide to wipe out all these insects really? that were pests for the crops. And it was working amazingly well. And and what happened was all of a sudden the chemical suppliers started noticing that the farmers in these areas where they were using radionics weren't buying chemicals anymore. So they sent investigators to say, how come you're not buying chemicals? Well, once this word got back to the chemical manufacturers, they then reported it to the government. And the government then came and confiscated these radionics devices and said, if these things can kill bugs, they could be used to kill human beings, oh, and they're therefore yeah. potential weapons of mass destruction and need to be confiscated. Of course, you know that went into military technology because they've been working on stuff sure. like that for a long time. It's but the point I'm making is we had the technology a long time ago to easily kill insects. Sure. And Royal Raymond Rife did the same thing with cancer cells. Yeah, the Rife machines. Yeah, I've heard that. I've yeah. been on one of those before, so you're right. Well, it was exactly the same concept. In fact, I think they got the idea from Rife Technology, but Tesla. and then they confiscated Tesla ultimately because he said the whole if you understand frequency, you understand the universe. Well, yes, everything is frequency, and of course, as the medical system figures that out, they'll take that over and then and put laws on it so nobody can use it but them, and we'll have to buy it from well, them. There's, you know, it's funny you're talking about this because there's actually a new there's a new company in Europe. It's called Rootwave that is using um, electronics to zap weeds. And they're probably, I think they were bought Bose, which is the speaker company invested in them. And it's, yeah. it's going to be coming out public very soon, be like on a broader scale in Europe. Well, that's a step in the right direction. I'd like to see the, the research on that just because <laughs> As we know, there can be problems with electronic devices as well. Of course, yeah. But, you know, all, all I'm saying is there are safer technologies that we can invest in and that we could uh, really look at doing good research on that would make it safe for everybody. But look, Sir Albert Howard, who was considered by most the most eminent, uh, highly respected agriculturalist that ever lived yeah. in his He's got a book called An Agricultural Testament by Sir Albert Howard, and he was dealing with this issue a long, long time ago. And, he, and to prove his point, he grew crops to show that a healthy plant was disease resistant. He grew crops, and basically what he did is he made compost that was vegetarian. And then he made another batch of compost that only had animal hair in it. Oh, wow. Then he then he did a third batch that had blood droppings in it. Then he did a fourth batch. Uh, it's been years since I read it, so I'm paraphrasing. And his fourth batch of compost was just table scraps and everything that that you know would normally be composted from animal bones sure. to whatever was left on your plate. So he created four different batches of crops based on each of these types of compost. And while he was doing that, he harvested barrels and barrels of insects that were known to attack these plants. So he purposely harvested and, and, and bred them. And then when the crops were at maturity, 
He took the barrels and barrels of plant parasites and dumped them all over the fields and then monitored the rates of crop loss due to parasite infection. And the, uh, the vegetarian compost had the highest rate of illness amongst the plants. Really? Wow. And what he showed is, yes, and each successive type of compost, went, the one with plant hair had the second highest disease rate. The one with blood drops had the second lowest disease rate, and the one with table scraps was the healthiest, and there was only a 3 to 4% loss due to the parasites. And remember, he was dumping 40-gallon drums of these parasites all over the crops, wow. which would not happen in nature. So he showed that if you actually follow the rules of farming sure. and the principles of farming, that you don't need to use a bunch of chemicals and another famous British farmer called Friend Sykes, he was cited by the British uh, milk board because they were monitoring the amount of protein, fat, and um, nutrition in the milk. And they noticed that this one farm kept having very high levels of nutrition while all the other farms were successively dropping and they were getting to be concerned that the because the the milk was one of the primary sources of nutrition for the British people, especially children, they were wondering why the uh, milk was getting so nutritionally void and 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 so much lower on protein, for example. Oh wow! So they they went to Friend Sykes and investigated and said, "Do you know why your milk is maintaining its nutritional quality?" And he said to them, "He said, I will show you, but you're not going to like what you see." Yeah, I bet. So they came so they came down and he showed them that he was farming organically and how he was caring for the animals and he said the reason that the the milk is dropping down everywhere is because they're poisoning the soils and they're not farming organically and yeah. they're not caring for the animals properly they're not grazing them properly they're over milking them etc and what he meant you're not going to like what you see because it means you actually have to take care of the land and you can't play all these chemical tricks but uh, you know uh Basically, friend Sykes said uh, very much what Albert Howard said. He said, the weeds and the pests are the farmer's report card. Oh, and the more problems you have with weeds and pests, the worse of a farmer you are, period. Sure. End of story. <laughs> and in the research that I did looking into commercial farming, I found – and I've got many books on this in my library. One of the books showed that the average American farming family – ruins completely destroys beyond farmability 7000 acres of farmland in the life of that farming family so what they mean is if your dad turns his farm over to you and you farm yeah. it, and then you turn it over to your kids the average farming family completely destroys 7000 acres of farmland using standard conventional farming practices with too much tilling too much machine work and monocropping and fertilizers and and uh chemicals and so you know you can see all over the world that that you know we're running out of farmland it's turning into desert yeah a third of a third of soils around the world are are degraded soil degradation is a real serious issue and, and that's part of the push scientifically for um and the idea in this 80s 70s and 80s that human population would outpace our ability to produce food the desertification and rising climate change and then the increasing harm from industrial agriculture and other things is degrading our soils. And soil compaction, you know about soil compaction, basically 
Yes, of course. In, in yeah. Europe, they have 33 million acres alone that are that are almost dead due to soil soil compaction. It's a real issue, and I would just say, listen, I know farmers are out there trying to do the best they can with all the information they have, but I, I think we're about to enter a new era of farming where there are real changes and where chemical companies are not going to control our destiny and our democracy like they have been. I think that we are going to be liberated, and farmers will be liberated from chemical. Well, the the thing that's going to take a hell of a uh, it's going to take a hell of an effort from people. It's not going to happen through its own natural pathways. There's way too much corporate greed involved. I think you and I are smart enough to know that, and that's what we're doing on this podcast is sounding the alarm bell, saying, "Wake up, wake up! Stop watching football on fucking television Absolutely. and pay attention to what the hell you're doing." Because ultimately, the only way to, to kill a corporate dragon is to starve it to death. None of us even comes close to having the money to fight these guys in court, except for the occasional situation like your organization or whatever. But this stuff, kind of stuff's been going on for as long as chemicals have been around. And, and, and it's just kind of the typical way that large corporations bully people into getting what they want all for money. One of the questions I keep asking myself is, are these people so stupid they don't realize that they're killing the very planet they live on and that their own children are walking around and breathing and walking in these chemicals. Yeah. And it's kind of like I tell people drug pushers are smarter than that. They get you hooked, but they don't kill you. Now we've got medical corporations and vaccine corporations and farming corporations and chemical corporations that not only get you hooked, but they do kill yeah. you. And it just it's it's just not super intelligent at all. And it's deeply concerning. Yeah. I mean, the, like I spent a lot of time researching this and finding good, solid research. And it's absolutely fucking scary when you start seeing what the hell's going on and how distracted people are by, you know, television. But people forget the word television literally means tell a vision. That means to program people with exactly what you want them to believe to make lots of money off of them. It means brainwashing is what it means. But most people don't take the time to look into it. And I mean, and in all fairness, I mean, think about it. The average guy who's a mechanic or, he, you know, a school teacher, most people wouldn't even think that they need to look into this. That's one of the reasons for my podcast yeah. and for the Institute. And we just got to rally up. Fortunately, now that the microbiome and the human guts becoming popular, they're doing a lot of research on that. I think that's going to backfire on them because now we got all these microbiologists looking into the gut very scientifically, and they're going to announce what they're finding in there as they already have been. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be another alert. And at some point, the medical system's either going to have to decide to be evil or stand up for people's health. But with the whole vaccination issue and drug issues, we know that it, it takes a lot to get them to get honest. And, and any doctor that does get honest usually loses their medical license. Well, and it's yeah. sad because I've known many medical doctors to get pushed out of business for telling the truth. Really? Well, it's funny. You know, I, I had a I moved back to Iowa it's now 13 years ago to fight factory farms. And um, I had a farmer in my second year back and he said, well, he, he no, he knew I was interested in taking on industrial agriculture, not just factory farms. He goes, but it generally takes about 20 years before harm is found in a chemical or in a process before the U.S. government finally gets around. I mean, the, the warning bells are initially sounded, and then it takes 20 years to, for it to catch up. 
But the great news is like, listen, all that, all that backbreaking work was done by the GMO labeling movement and by the food movement in the, during, under the Obama administration. I think the great thing about the Obama administration, I, I, I voted for Obama twice, but I, I have ended up being one of his largest critics on his food and agricultural policy. But, um, I'll just say people need to get involved in politics. They, they not only need to stop watching their TV and get out and exercise and spend time with their family. They actually, we have a democracy. It's a remarkable thing. You can go in and participate as much as you want. I call, I like, you know, if you show up and vote on election day, that's brilliant, but that's really drive by democracy. All you've done is show up one time out of every year, every two, four years you really need to track what your elected officials in your state house and Senate are doing. And you definitely need to understand it doesn't matter if you're Republican, independent or Republican, you can be blue, white, purple, green, you know, a rainbow colored, whatever you are, get involved in politics. And this is the, the most important sacred thing about America is that it's a democracy of the people. It should be a democracy of the people for the people by the people, but that's been stolen from us. You know, I'm Paul. I just thank you for having me on your podcast to share this information with this audience. You have a really critical audience understands human health, understands food and how it interacts with the environment and our health. And so I'm just saying waking these people up to politics is really the mother load because the people that people that follow you are active in their daily life. They don't sit around on the couch. They get out there and do things. So I'm just saying, if you want to have an impact outside of just your family and outside of yourself, you know, eating organic food is a great start, but it's just the beginning. We, our, our, our middle name, it's Food Democracy Now. And for me, what matters the most in there is democracy in that name. Yeah, I agree, Dave. You know, it's, it's, you know, the challenge though, for me as a person, I'm sure it's the same for other, I, I have to admit, Aside from hearing about the food democracy now winning a lawsuit or the occasional lawsuit, I've lost complete faith in politics. I've seen so much bullshit, so much lying, and so much backhanded crap that I actually look at the vote half the time and go, it's just a choice between evil and evil. Well, and we're, we're, we have to really reconstruct this whole thing because it's not really an effective political system from what I can see. So how do we get a political system that actually is a democracy and, and does work other than just starving corporations out by not buying their shit? Well, that's, that's, an, that's a good question. Uh, and I would call myself a cynical optimist, meaning I'm old enough to really understand the history of why, how we got here as a nation, not just uh, 250 plus years, but also the inclusion of, um, the last 40 years. And I would say, listen, America fundamentally changed when Ronald Reagan was elected. I was a Republican as a, I was a young child at the time, but I was a Republican raised a Republican family. And the corporate wealth and corporate power, um, you know, in the U.S., that in the 80s was how they, they started to undermine antitrust regulation and laws. And so that's how you have the stranglehold of corporate America. Basically, say in any industry, Whenever four or more company or four or less companies control more than 40% of a market share, that is a captured market. So it's no longer competitive. All of agriculture is above 60%. In the case of seeds, it's over 80% market share by three companies. This really limits democracy and limits competition economically for farmers. And I'll just say, I, and I'm an optimist because I wake up every day and I know that there are 
millions and millions of people out like out there like me that are very frustrated with the fact that our government is supposed to be doing one thing. And these politicians all say this on the campaign trail. Right now, uh, 2019 is a very busy year in Iowa. Iowa is a first in the nation Iowa caucus, which help, um, helps decide which presidential candidate will move on. And when you, if you win Iowa, you got a, a very good chance of winning. So we're very involved in politics here. But, you know, people in a democracy, you have a chance every day to exercise your vote. It's not just, it's not just voting once every two years, it's not just voting once every four years. It's tracking what your elected officials are doing. And the great thing is, so Food Actually Now started really as an effort to kind of mobilize people and to awaken them that farmers out in, in, in rural America, and especially in the Midwest, are slowly being strangled by corporate control. And the, with, without antitrust regulations, these farmers aren't going to have a chance. 20 years from now, Half the farmers that are in existence will be put out of business if we cannot solve this as a democracy. So the great news is there was a, there was a presidential forum here this, this weekend here in Iowa where Elizabeth Warren and others talked about trying to bring real change to family farmers, to rural America and all of America. Cause I'm just saying, if you do not have antitrust and monopolies powers, it affects us daily on the internet, the internet and Facebook, Google, Apple, all those companies operate in a non-competitive system. And it's really impacting our ability just to have a sane, healthy, and economically viable life. So I... Well, there, yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, they're also... Those forums are also being used to very carefully brainwash what people believe in remove people like Sherry Tenpenny's Vaxter website. They've tried to shut her down and she's worried that they're uh, trying to pull the plug on it again. Sure. Um, you, you know, this, this she's is still good work. That's, this listen. Is, well, absolutely, man. My podcast with her was just a ball buster, mind blowing podcast. And it actually triggered off awareness in Australia because the famous Australian chef, Pete Evans, mm promoted my podcast and my interview with Sherry Tenpenny ended up as in headline news in five newspapers, wow. two times in England and three times in Australia and, and, and triggered off a huge wave. But the thing that cracked me up is it jacked up the number of people listening to my podcast quite a lot. So I think it's fantastic because they're like, oh, well, what's this podcast he was listening to? And what's that all about? So thousands of people have started listening to that podcast um, now, now they know but, that story you know now, now that yes. you know, you're sharing really like just really critically important information about our health that it's ironic you are literally an independent source in the media because the mainstream media in america will not tell these stories on a daily basis they'll cover it up no. and then they'll just we have a we have a you know mainstream media that's more focused on clickbait and their and their profit than they are educating the American people. If they want to, if the American media wants to understand why someone they elected Donald Trump, someone like Donald Trump, it's because the American mainstream media failed to do their job for 40 years and tell Americans how democracy works. So now CNN, well, yeah. MSNBC columnists are whining in their fucking Cheerios when they're the reason that he actually got elected because they didn't do their job for 20 and 30 years. You know? Well, exactly. 
So a couple of things that I wanted to bring up, you know, one, I tell my students, because I've had many of my students voice to me, like, how do you deal with this political nightmare we're in? And I say, look, we, we have plenty of experience now. It doesn't matter who you vote for. They all lie through their teeth. They don't follow through with promises. They scam us. You know, the whole medical insurance thing, that's another freaking huge. I could do a whole podcast on that you could spend alone. spend a decade on that. That's a, that's a rip off from hell. Yeah. So I tell them the, the only way is you guys have me, me speaking to my students that so you guys now have legitimate training in holistic health. You know what health is. You know how important the soil is. You know how important farming and farmers are. You know that they're the backbone that hold this whole damn culture together. Absolutely. You know they're getting abused, manipulated, lied to, controlled by chemical companies, etc. And uh, a point that I make to prove it is I show a chart. I think I shared that chart with you of all the organic certifiers. Yeah. Did I share that yeah, one with did. you? Uh, please send, please send it mean, again. I like that one. I will. Does that not just boggle your mind? Like when I first started teaching about organic food and farming, there was only six organic certifiers that I could find. Now there's over a hundred and most of them are owned by Kellogg's, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, um, Cadbury, um, you know, companies that you would never have any connection to the fact that they would be interested in organic food. But the, this is how they're obliterating the concept of organic yeah. because what most people don't realize is that they also are major funders. They create shell corporations with different names so you can't tell where the money coming from and they fund university agricultural programs. So what they do is they have the students that are getting funded by these corporations do research comparing commercial to organic. But what they don't realize is the food that they're testing, that's commercial food, comes from one of their farms, and the organic food also comes from one of their farms. But they don't have to pass any kind of organic certification test because they start their own organization. So I tell people one way you can tell a real organic certification from a bogus one, for example, if you're shopping and there's Jim Jim's organic carrots and you've never heard of them before, call Jim's organic certifier and say, what does it take for me? I'm just starting a small farm. I'm wondering what it takes to get an organic certification. And if they do not require soil testing in a gestation period, it's bullshit. Yeah. But there's like a hundred organic certifiers now. I haven't even come close to having the chance to track them all down, but I have a contact with a professor uh, of agriculture that has informed me what's really going on. And that's how I get some of this information. It, and that's where I is got that the Howard? chart. What's his first name? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. I, I, it's the guy that I yeah, got yeah. the chart from. His name is on the chart. But anyhow, I've talked to others and I've studied many, many books looking into this. But the reality of it is, is that these basically what they do is they run studies in the universities and then they say, look, we compared the organic and the non-organic and there's no difference. But what they don't realize, it's the same damn food just coming from a different field yeah. that's supposed to be organic, but they're not farming it organically. They might not put as many chemicals on it, but they're still using damaged soils and nutritionally deficient soils, raising sick plants. And, and, and so we're just getting sold hook, line and sinker on all this horse crap. But – the other thing that I wanted to share is that one of the main reasons that the biotech industry promotes GMO foods is they say there's not enough food 
to feed the rising population and that our current farming systems, that organic farming systems could not make enough food to feed the population, which is absolute garbage. In fact, the United States government has known about this issue since about 1910. And for those of you that want to look into this yourself, there's a very phenomenal book called Farmers of 40 Centuries. Yeah. And the author is Professor King. I think it's F.H. King. I'll put the, the, I'll have them put it in the show notes so people can get a hold of this book. But the United States Department of Agriculture went to Dr. King, who I believe was a professor of agriculture, and they said to him, how in the world can the Chinese, and the Japanese, and the Koreans, and some of these places with large populations and very small amounts of arable or farmable land produce this much food? That They couldn't figure out how they could do it based on what the average American farmer could produce on a 40-acre farm. And he said that they used to make jokes about these farmers, about how lousy they were. Well, the long and the short, this book is probably close to 300 pages, maybe 200 and something, 90 pages or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's a big book. He showed that the average farmer in China using organic farming could produce more food on one and two-thirds of an acre than the average American farming family could on 40 acres. And they were doing it with manual labor. They were even, they even built little uh, pumps where people would have to stand on the irrigation ditches on a thing that looked like a bicycle oh, crank yeah. and turn like a, a little Ferris wheel. And they would be actually running on this thing for hours at a time, pushing water out into the fields to, to uh, water the fields. They collected their own poop, they called it midnight soil, which is an old farming practice, but everybody in the village would carry their poop and dump it and they would use it for composting. Unfortunately, today research shows that we can't use human poop for compost because it's so toxic, it kills the soil. But the key thing is this whole, all this stuff, the Monsanto stuff, the biotech stuff, it's all built on a lie. And the reality of it is the soil is the foundation of human health. And if we do not wise up rapidly, well, you don't need a whole lot of brain cells to do the math, do you? Well, apparently you do because they haven't gotten it right at Monsanto. And I'll just say, listen, you know, you're right. Listen, the soil is the foundation of all our health. It's the foundation of our democracy. It's the foundation of civilization. And I'll just say that's fundamentally, I think there's a great awakening happening in American people right now. And, I, and I'll just say, it's always darkest before dawn, uh, you know. Yes, it is. And I, I think we've really turned a corner in terms of, you know, and again, I'm I'm not naive. I am cynically optimistic. But I'll just say, 2006, when I moved back to Iowa, no one knew who Monsanto was. No one knew that their food was genetically engineered. We had a ballot initiative in California in 2012. I was a co-chair of that campaign. I helped work on it, you know, for almost a year and a half. We narrowly lost. The American people fundamentally understand one thing right now, that corporate America and their elected officials are not on their side. And, you know, there's, I'll just say, like, people never really understood why the, the GMO labeling campaign, why we focused on your right to know, because that's what Americans care about. Why do you think the NRA wins the argument every time? Because they focus on their the gun rights. And so the American people believe in the Constitution. We've had wars. We've fought for these rights. And the problem really is the American people are doing 
the right thing. They go, they wake up every day and they go to work. They try to feed their children. The real problem is the people, the managerial class of America has become a looting class. They're stealing the future of America's children. And it really begins, and I, I really believe this just fundamentally, it, it begins in our fields in agriculture. If we cannot grow healthy food, we cannot have healthy children, and we can't have a healthy nation. Today's obesity epidemic, diabetes epidemic, and all these autoimmune diseases shit. Cancer, cancer epidemic, everything. autoimmune. It's all going fucking crazy, and it's like- But it all begins in the I soil. Mean, You're I, right. Like I'm just saying, you said it right. It, this all begins in the soil, and this is where we have to begin that transformation. Helping farmers get off chemicals and get into a better system. I mean, you know, it's a real issue. There's a, uh, as we, as we're discussing and, and there's so much, I think, I think what we need is a hug an organic farmer day or That's a biodynamic a, farmer absolutely. day because, you know, I've I, like, I used to be friends with Robert Farmer, who was the, the chief farmer for a large organic farm out here. I don't know. It was like an 80 acre or more farm. I, it was about an hour's drive from here. But back when in the earlier days, when I started my holistic lifestyle coaching program, it was called nutrition and lifestyle coaching then instead of holistic lifestyle coaching. And it was more focused on nutrition. But I was searching out biodynamic farms and organic farms simply because I wanted to be able to tell people where they could find that kind of food in this area. And I befriended Robert Farmer and he invited me out to their farm. Well, ultimately the place ended up getting shut down because they couldn't sell enough organic food. Why? Because people can't conceive why they would pay the extra money for organic food compared to the prices they pay in the supermarket. But we're, you know, we're at a time right now where if we don't start supporting the organic farmers and we don't progressively um, inspire people to do organic farming, by the time the mainstream media uh, or by the time the average individual in society gets uh, enough information, they're going to be in a crisis state and then we're going to be attacking these farms and there's just not even to be nearly enough food to feed everybody because if we have to make a global switch to organic progressively or we will just kill the farmers off, right? They, and they, they have to be paid for yeah. their time. And it needs to become, I really think we should take our, uh, all the military should now be tasked with training by biodynamic and organic farmers. And a huge percentage of the military budget should be devoted to cleaning up the soil, cleaning up the water, cleaning up the air, protecting water supplies for the public, getting rid of anyone who's threatening the survival of the soil and the planet in any way and shutting them down, or we're all going to fucking die. Just period. And it's going to be an ugly day. Well, yeah, starvation is never pretty. And I'll just say the, the few instances in which I've read about starvation in history, it's pretty brutal. You know, and no one, no one wants that, of course. I'm just thinking like, you know, change is coming. And I think it, I think it'll happen faster than we think. I, I think we're really on the edge of um, some new technologies in agriculture, like, you know, using you, I, the radionics. I'm not sure exactly how that worked, but this is this. It's it's radio wave technology, but it's very yeah, safe. Yeah, so root, root uh, wave yeah. is basically using a, a some type of electrical current or wave to to manage weeds as well. And the thing is, you know, this this Roundup lawsuit, this is the end of Monsanto. This is good night. There's eleven thousand 
you've lied long enough, you corrupted science, you, you sold out a democracy, you're gone. That parasite is leaving this planet. They've lost two lawsuits right now, and I think they're <clears throat> the last lawsuit, uh, Edwin Hardiman won $80 million. And I'm just saying that's not enough for these people that are suffering with cancer. There's 11,000 more lawsuits that are about to pile on, and it could double and triple. So Bayer is about, has swallowed a poison pill of American agriculture, which is chemical agriculture. But I'll just say, I, I really do believe we're, we're, you know, we do need to transition farmers into a better, more holistic way. And, and the great news is we are on the edge of a, a new transformation with regenerative agriculture, which basically regenerative agriculture, it's a step up from sustainable agriculture because regenerative agriculture really focuses on soil health and rebuilding soil carbon organic matter to help make that, that help soil healthier and able to have a better microbiome better soil biome to help grow healthier food. And that will, that will do two yes. things. It will draw down carbon. It, will help, it can help reverse climate change. It not only improve the nutrition of the food, but you know, with soil health is the foundation of farmers profit center. If we can get farmers growing their food back on healthy soil without synthetic inputs, I think farmer profitability will skyrocket because they won't be spending all their money on, on synthetic herbicides and insecticides and fungicides. They'll be able to save that money for other type of investments. And it's expensive yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's not cheap. They have half million dollar combines. Is It's not a joke. You know, I'm just saying, you, you think those Dodge pickup trucks, they, they need those trucks because they got to get into this giant combine. That's a lot of money. So we've leveraged farmers in a high debt system and the chemical companies and the input companies are bleeding these farmers dry. There's a major crisis in the dairy industry today. There's a major crisis in the organic dairy industry. And I'm concerned that, you know, American people need to wake up and understand food is expensive because it's an investment in your body. It's an investment in your health. If you put the cheapest thing in your body, you're going to get the cheapest results. If you put something of a higher value, higher worth nutritionally in your body, you're going to get better results. And I think it's ironic that all these, and I, I played football in college. I worked, I worked out most of my adult life, but I've kind of given up the supplement and protein shake, you know, lifestyle because I really, it took me a while to understand that, my God, I'm, I'm putting whey protein in my body and that whey protein isn't coming from an organic cow. It's probably not going to help me as much as I want it to. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of issues that you see. One of the things that's happening with the advancements in information technology is we're able to communicate through podcasts and, fo and uh, web-based forums. And it's at the point now, if somebody farts in, in Tanzania, we know about it in 18 seconds on Thank the God internet. Thank God for Twitter. So it, might have to, might have to yeah, so, so it's, it's Yeah, it's making it harder and harder for, for – things like this to get swept under the rug because it's it, they're having a hard time controlling the massive number of inputs at one yeah. time. So the, the beauty is if we all inform each other, I, I did a take back your health 2017 for my yearly presentation. And I cited uh, the 10 features of uh, when a democracy is being overthrown that Noam Chomsky outlined and showed how we can use the very technology they're using against us 
to support each other. Absolutely. And the main vehicle we have is information technologies and sharing and then spending your money on the things that really create health and putting money in the hands of the people that are running health conscious corporations, whether they be textiles corporations or uh, you know, building materials. I mean, there's a, 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 a big move out there now for healthy homes. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, there's a lot of dangerous stuff in buildings. The average carpet, the average new carpet outgasses 131 carcinogenic chemicals for the first year. It's on the huh. floor. New cars have something like 68. Yeah. 130 uh, carcinogenic chemicals. The average new car puts out a huge, I don't remember the number, but new cars are just toxic bombs because of all the chemicals in the materials. Um, and I actually did a podcast with a, a man named Michael Judd, who's an expert at permaculture and had experience working in the jungles and seeing what happened when corporations wiped out the jungles mm -hmm. and took their land over and poisoned their land and all the health problems. And, and so that podcast uh, may come out before this one or close to this one, but I have well, also done my best to, yeah, uh, it's with Michael Judd. And he's got a beautiful, gorgeous book that I, that I promote on that podcast as well. But it's like we talk about what you can do in your own backyard. People don't realize that during the first and second world war, 50% of the produce eaten worldwide was grown in people's backyards and disease rates in every category fell through the roof. In fact, so many people stopped dying that uh, in Israel, they were the doctors were practically going out of business because the people were getting so damn healthy because all the the because the war was stopping all the junk from being marketed and sold, oh, really? and people were having to stick to the to the basics. Yeah. Um, but one of the questions I wanted to ask before I forgot was when it comes to public spaces and glyphosate being sprayed, I know there's a thing called golf course syndrome because so many golfers yeah. have gotten sick from being on golf courses because they use a lot of roundup sure. on many golf courses. And so, you know, being something that you can't wash or peel off, that means if you're walking on parks or in public areas in bare feet or rolling around with your kids playing soccer and football or your dogs and pets are walking around, that these are potentially dangerous places. So could you outline some of the most common areas that Roundup is used so people can be aware to ask if these are being these areas are being treated like golf courses and parks and public spaces? Where where do we need to be concerned well, yeah. about? <laughs> it's ironic you bring up golf courses. Um I actually I was diagnosed with uh, leukemia when I was eleven because I spent a lot of my wow. summers walking around rivers and streams trying to get out golf balls from the local golf course that had been hit in there. Wow. So, I mean, obviously, you pay attention to chemicals and pesticides after that diagnosis, I have to say that. But um, listen, anyone that golfs, you know, it's ironic. I, I golfed a little bit in high school and, and I don't do it much anymore, but I'll just say every time you put the ball hits the ground and it's wet and you pick it up and you touch your, you touch that ball with your hand, you're getting pesticides on your hand. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yep. So you brought up a very good point. It's and, and there's public parks in New York City where and and I think they're trying to ban it in certain places. There's neighborhood parks in major cities that use it um, just to combat weeds. You know, they're, they're, like Monsanto has so successfully lied that this is Roundup is safer than table salt. I'm just saying you have scientists with PhDs that are repeating this 
ad nauseum on Twitter because they're paid by the opposite by Monsanto. But I'm just saying, you know, glyphosate is sprayed in public schools, parks. It's probably sprayed on football fields, soccer fields, anywhere where you are running around in grass. It's sprayed widely. The good news is LA after, um, I think right after the, um, the Hardeman lawsuit came out, LA County finally uh, announced that they're not going to spray Roundup on their public parks anymore. Oh, great spirit. Progress. So, and there's a number of cities in California and there's other places in Hawaii and elsewhere in the U.S. that have limited and banned Roundup from being used. So I think we're making progress. It's not as fast as we want. And I'm just saying, I'll just say like, Monsanto has just had a neutron bomb dropped on their chest. They've been bought by Bayer and it's, 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 this, there is one financial as, as, analyst that estimated this would cost Bayer up to $5 billion alone in, in minimum in these lawsuit payouts. You know, that's pretty stunning. Well, you know what? That's all lovely. But what's the cost of the damage they've done to human health and the environment? Five billion dollars compared to the damage that's done and the knock-on effect. I, agree. I mean, this is like it sounds like a lot. I mean, just this morning on on Sherry Tenpenny's Vaxter News, she had a, re, a report showing that Duke University had been caught falsifying research, and they were yes. able to settle out of court and pay I don't know X number of millions of dollars, but the government allowed them to not be prosecuted so there would be no record that they were actually found uh, doing this illegally. So essentially, they somehow bribed somebody so that if they paid enough money, they wouldn't actually be legally processed for fraudulent research. Yeah. So we, what we've got is this sort of like good old boy system where it's just a little slap on the wrist. Yeah. And 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 the reality of it is this is ridiculous, and it and and it just shows you that you know we have to really start looking at what it means to be a human being. We've got to pay attention to the great chain of being. Our life is connected to the single-celled organisms in the ocean. Absolutely. Our life is connected to the microbiome. You, you know, and I'll show you a simple example. I teach my students that. People don't realize you would think that with all this government organizations, the CDC, the FDA, the EPA, and all this stuff that's supposed to be there to protect us, that with all these chemicals being sprayed on the ground, you'd just think, well, geez, the government must not understand how the soil works. They wouldn't be approving this stuff. Well, of course they understand. It's all about freaking money. And as you said, we don't really have a government. We got well, I said we have a corporate headquarters, but I think you pretty much agreed with that. Yeah, I know. But I, I agree. We I have was, some serious uh, collusion going on between corporation, corporate America, and our elected officials. Yeah. So I'm I'm on vacation with Penny one year, and we're in a park in Flagstaff, Arizona, and we're hiking around on the trails. And every now and then, you'd come across a sign, and I took pictures of it, and I show it in my lectures at the institute. And on the sign, it had a, a picture of a person's foot stepping on the ground. And it said in big black letters, don't bust the crust, exclamation mark. Then it gives a paragraph or two of explanation. The, the, you might think the soil's yeah. dead. And it had little cartoon pictures of little microorganisms. And it says, 
It takes a long time to regenerate the topsoil. The, the soil microorganisms keep the park healthy. And when you step on them, you can kill them. So don't go wandering off the trails. But they were making it very clear. And it's a U.S. government sign. It's got the U.S. Park Service right on it. It's a government organization. If the parks know to keep you on the trail so you don't damage the microorganisms, the government knows. They're a government organization. So it's interesting to me that they're, they will warn you not to damage the park, but they'll let you poison the shit out of yourself with dangerous food, dangerous drugs, and they'll let us ruin our airways, ruin our waterways, and ruin our soil for money. Yeah. So the government does know, and like I cited, farmers of 40th century, the United States government sent a researcher to investigate how in the hell were they feeding people in these countries with small uh, farmable land surfaces relative to population. And the research came back glaringly that they're not only doing a good job, they're far better at farming than we are with almost no advanced technology, but that didn't do anything to change the outcome. Probably, so, probably not enough you know, then, money to be made in nightshade and manures. And, you know, it would be great to have, um, I mean, it's interesting to have, you know, the technologies that are used. It's fascinating. But I'm just saying, you're right. There's not enough money to make it for the U.S. government or for corporations. Well, maybe we need to stop making money and start making life. Amen with that. I agree with you 100%. And I think the soil is I mean, a great place, you know, to do it. The, there's a, the, the old saying, money is the root of all evil, and there's a damn good reason that that's out there. And just like they say, the devil's favorite place to hide is in the church. We have to also say he's extended his reach into the government. Well, I haven't heard that one. That's a pretty good one. The devil, the, well, yeah, it's no, I true. It. I was raised evangelical, so I've um, just like I'm, you know, I've come a long way in my spiritual journey. So I always appreciate talking to you. Well, at least you know the angels are still with you. I would imagine if you got leukemia at eleven or something like that. Um, Look, we've covered a lot and and we've given people a lot to think about. I cannot emphasize enough to get uh, Food Democracy Now's report, which Dave was probably the key player in producing, glyphosate unsafe on any plate, food testing results, and scientific reasons for concern. It's very thorough. It carries a lot more information than we discussed here today. There's lots of scientific research and it is by no means a fluffy personal opinion uh paper it's very very real and very serious and as we've discussed and as david shared there's lawsuits going on the the thing that i'm calling for and i know dave is calling for because that's what food democracy now is all about is it's time for us to get off the couch shut off the television start researching where are the local farmers markets where are the local organic farms where's the local biodynamic farms what are the things that we have in our house that are dangerous chemicals? There's books like the Safe Shoppers Bible by, uh, I think it's Samuel Epstein. There are good books out there that can be found that give you tips on what to buy, what not to buy. There's organic body care prog products. There's organic uh, home products. There's organic cleaners. There's organic uh, bug sprays. I mean, we we can do a hell of a lot better. And look, as I say to my students, if each of us 
just flush the toilet one less time a day, there'd be somewhere in the neighborhood of six to 10 billion extra gallons of water to go around. So if we just make little changes, look, if we only improve 1% a day in 100 days, we'll be 100% different. So it's just like, okay, and I and I did a, a whole podcast with Joe Rushton that'll be coming out called Rocket Fuel on a Budget. And we talked all about how can you eat a healthy diet on a lower budget. And we talked all about the things you can do to uh, eat as well as you can on a low budget. So we we can work together. We can make small changes. And there's so much more that I could share, but that's what my holistic lifestyle program is all about, is teaching people how to get healthy and then how to do that professionally is what holistic lifestyle coach level two is about. But having organizations like Food Democracy Now is a godsend. And thank you so much, Dave, and to the organization that you have started and, and, uh, you know, because at least we know that somebody in the political system or or in the public is actually doing something about this and bringing aware. Like if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have been aware of how bad glyphosate really was. I knew it was bad, but when I read your report, I tell you what, I was like, I was just at a whole new level of holy yeah. shit. And you know what it means. I mean, I'm, just, I'm glad you read it. I'm really really fortunate that you came into your hands and you read it. You took the time. Well, we can thank Troy Casey, the certified health nut, for bringing us together. How's Troy doing? I think he's doing pretty good. He's wild and alive, and he's out there doing what we're doing, teaching people how to get healthy. Yeah, he's looking good on Instagram. Yeah, well, he's a good example. I mean, he's 50-something years old, and he's lean and mean, and I love Troy because he is the change. And, you know, I got to give it to the Czech practitioners around the world. They're... What you know, you come to one of my training programs and you see very healthy, very fit, very empathetic, compassionate people that are all really interested in living better, loving better, and using their money to support the planet. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for all the Czech practitioners and holistic lifestyle coaches and Czech professionals, we call them, because they really are making a difference every day. And I think even if a family just cut out one or two of the commercial foods and switched over to organic, the ones to start with are the ones you eat the most because that's where you're going to get the, the most toxicity, whatever you eat the yeah. most of. So if it's cereal, go to organic cereal. If it's meat, get free range, non-organic, I mean, non-commercial, non-toxic, non-steroid meats. Grass so head. little changes, just like I say, if we all just didn't flush the toilet one time, you know, in California, we say if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. I've heard that one um, before in Iowa, even so it's pretty. Yes. So it's what I'm saying is it's it, it, look, if 7 billion people each make one step in the right direction, that's 7 billion yeah. steps. And if we each just work a little bit together, it won't be so hard on any of us. But if only a few of us do the hard work, there's no way we're going to be able to do the work. At the, you know, this is way too big of a snowball for just a handful of people to push. We've all got to, you know, take a pickaxe and take a chip out Absolutely. of this thing, or it's gonna it's gonna crush us. 
So Dave, where can people find out more about Food Democracy Now or you or what? where would you like to direct people for more sure, information? Yeah. Well, you can go to our website. Uh, I think uh, the, the report should be on our website. It's on uh, the top of our Facebook page, Food Democracy, Food Democracy Now. And then our Twitter handle is food underscore democracy. Because I don't think at the time we could have gotten Food Democracy Now as a handle. They didn't allow longer handles at that time. So. So it's www.fooddemocracynow.com. Food Yeah. I want to give a shout out to some groups that are really doing a good job following the, the, um, the GMO issue and the Roundup issue. And these are groups that we worked in a coalition for years. And I'll just say it's really important when you, when you do this kind of – this is a team effort. And I just want to say, like, you know, many hands make light work. That's basically – you know a parable about farm country. Basically the people come used to come together and raise barns together and, and help farmers, uh, you know, harvest their fields together. I was just say like, you know, that is the coalition work that has been allowed us to expose Montana's corruption. So I'll just say center for food safety has been one of the groups leading the legal challenges out there against Montana on a lot of the GMO approvals with, again, they sue the USDA. Also, the Organic Consumers Association is a grassroots organization. Cornucopia Institute is another organic watchdog that covers pesticide issues. And the other one that if you want to read about US right to know.org is another one. And Carrie Gilliam is a reporter uh, that was at Reuters for years covering Montana on the pesticide beat. However, Montana made the mistake of, um, using their corporate ties and she got fired or she was let go of from Reuters, but she's now uh, the investigative reporter for the U S right to know. And she's been covering, and she's got a book out that came out last year called whitewash, which covers the total story of corruption of the 40 years of science behind Monsanto and roundup. And I did. So those Excellent. are good sources. What was the, yeah, when you were saying the web source there, the 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 internet cracked up a little bit. Can you give us where to find yeah, her US again? Yeah, right to know. Right, US right to know dot com or dot org. Yeah, I can send you. I'll okay. send you those links if that'll help. Yeah, send it, and, and we'll put it in the show notes for everybody, so it's easy, and they don't have to try to stop the recording and dig a pen out. Is there any others that you'd I, like to share? That's the best I can do right now, off the top of my head. You know, just on the that are covering this issue like specifically. Covering the website. Yeah. Down. Well, I'm sure that, you know, people will start talking to each other. And those of you listening, if you have resources you want to share, send them into the Czech Institute or to the Living 4D podcast page or to penny at paulcheck.com and we will pass them into the uh, Institute channels and share them. But let's all work together. Look, you know, we need each other. And we need nature and she needs us. And, you know, I tell my students, look, bears and cows and sheep don't start forest fires and poison their own land. So they're at the mercy of human beings. We're just smart enough to be dangerous to ourselves, but we're also very dangerous to life itself. So for those of you that feel as I do and you're concerned for your children and your future and your health, now is the time to uh, participate, and that can be anything, Sh- just from anything that you can do that we've talked about to sharing tips for where to find things or organizations or information, 
I think the key thing is find the find what you're willing to do because it's a natural expression of your love, and then it's not so hard to do. In other words, not everybody's ready to go out and sludge creeks and and uh, dig up this or uh, rehab a farm. But if you're if your love is to share information and resources, then let it be that. If your love is to make uh, water bottles out of something that allows people not to have to use plastic all the time, then make a ceramic or glass or stainless steel water bottles, whatever it is that you can do. If your best thing you can do is just get yourself healthy and walk around with your clothes off so everyone can see what it looks like and ask you questions, then that is a great gift to the world. It's It's time for us all to just do a little something together and share the love and share our respect for Mother Earth and Mother Nature and know that our choices do make a difference. Dave, you're amazing. I love you, buddy. Thanks for all your effort and hard work and concern for humanity and and for nature. And uh, let's uh, get together and do another podcast when you've got some more exciting and interesting information to share. Maybe we can have another one in six months and you can tell us about all the lawsuit successes. We can all sell. Oh, yeah. Hopefully there'll be some more good news, but listen, thank you so much, Paul. I'm a huge fan of yours and I really have a deep respect for your work and the commitment and the spiritual level you bring to this work. So thank you so much for having me on and doing all the amazing work that you do. You're making a major difference in a lot of people's lives. So thank you. Well, you know, all you can take with you when you leave this world is what you've become. As Jesus says in the Bible, a rich man can no sooner get to heaven than a camel can fit through the eye of a needle. So, you know, when we realize that all we can take left with us when we go is what we've become, and we realize that life really doesn't mean anything without relationships, and that includes our relationship to the planet and to the beings that feed us and the sacrifices. Look, we all know that dogs love love each other. We know that animals love each other. We know they have relationships. We know they have families. And if you actually do your research, you'll find plants are very, very sentient. Look at the secret life of plants. Look at the work of Cleve Baxter. Yeah. Look at the secret life of yourselves. Look at the secret life of nature by uh, uh, Peter Tompkins. I mean, there's enough great books with great information. It makes it obvious that nature is really sacrificing a hell of a lot for us and that even the things that we think are unintelligent or unconscious like cleve baxter showed even bacteria know when you're going to pour hot water down the sink that eggs communicate to each other he showed if you take an egg he would put his lie detector equipment on the eggs that were in the carton and he would monitor the activity in the eggs and then he would take one of them and just when he was about to drop it in boiling water, all the eggs in the carton, as well as the one he was about to drop in the water, freaked wow. out. And he shows these readings. And he showed that you could take – he had a researcher take some yogurt out of the same carton, put it in a test tube, and drive miles away. And I can't remember who did it, but one of them held a flame up to the test tube. And the and they were monitoring the yogurt that came from the same batch miles away. And at exactly the instant instant that he was going to harm one batch of the yogurt, the yogurt several miles away reacted as though it was right wow. there. So we'll, when we 
when we are so busy hearing all the bogus science that we don't have time to really learn how nature yeah. works, we don't really realize that life is sacrificing itself under our feet just so we can drive our sports cars and watch our football games and drink beer and eat shitty food. But at the end of the day, our very life depends upon the sacrifices that nature's making, and she can only sacrifice so much before she herself dies. You know, the ancient symbol of the Ouroboros, the snake that eats its tail, is all we need to know. That snake is life, and if it consumes more than it can regenerate, it dies. And we're right on the edge of eating this planet out of existence, mostly because of, of greed, mostly because of ignorance. Absolutely. If we just, if we just start paying attention to the good research out there and really realizing how alive and how sentient all living beings are and how intimate our relationship with them is and stop seeing dirt as just another adventure for making money. Steiner says it's okay to kill something in nature as long as you're going to do something better with it. Now that re really leaves us in a, in a, in a moral we're, question. We're in now, yes. Isn't it? Is, is another pay parking lot or another strip mall a good use of space that we could put an organic farm? I don't think so. Do we need more cheap toys and more garbage in stores? Probably not. I don't yeah. think so. Do we need to clean up the soil, clean up the water, and, and reinvest military effort into something that's a real threat instead of a manufactured threat to keep a military-industrial complex running? I think so. Absolutely. We, we, uh, so this is my call and thank you for joining me, Dave. And I hope that a lot of people share this podcast. And if you don't believe a damn word either of us said, then I challenge you to do your homework. And I'm happy to provide resources. I've given as many as I could here. My holistic lifestyle coach, all check programs come with resources so people can look into it. But the mountain of research that has been done and is available, and as you said, all the way back into 1962, my God, I was born in 61, Rachel Carlson was the first one to really ring the bell, and barely anyone's paid attention, but we can't play that game anymore. It's time to team up and get something Absolutely, done. Absolutely, brother. Teamwork makes the dream work. Let's do it. Yeah, there is no I and we. We've got to get That's together. True. Thank you for your love, buddy, and uh, thank you to all of you for listening. Forgive me for getting so wound up and and uh, using the F word a little more than I probably should for my wife's comfort, but uh, I'll tell you what, there's a time to get a little bit hot and, and anger can move you into action, and, and really, I want everyone to know that my anger is not a negative anger. It's the anger of frustration. It's the anger of feeling um, duped. It's the anger of being lied to. It's the anger of manipulation. It's the anger of deceit. It's the anger of greed. It's the anger of a democracy that is no longer a democracy. It's the anger of being in a fascist regime without it being obvious, but people are too busy smoking pot now to get motivated but the good news if you smoke pot and go stand in nature you'll all of a sudden realize everything's talking to you so use your pot wisely please you might realize <laughs> that we're all connected that's probably
<laughs> that's that's exactly what can happen. But again, we got the same problem in the marijuana industry now. Now that it's getting legal, it's becoming commercialized, and a lot of it's just toxic crap. So pretty soon, you, the, what was once a medicinal herb will become another toxic agent, just like yeah, cigarettes I, did. You, you, there's it's ironic you should mention that. There. I just read about this woman being hospitalized in Colorado. There's this new marijuana syndrome going around. I'm pretty sure what's happening is all these kids are being exposed to really high levels of pesticides and her, you know, and herbicides, and they're they're just inhaling it directly in their lungs, and they're getting sick. Yep. They use all sorts of rapid grow chemicals and hydroponics and the lights cause the plants to be very stressed and there's a massive difference. And actually we have a course through the Czech Institute all about this called the healing herb that gives you the entire history of marijuana. Uh, you know, everything you need to know. I do demonstrations on how to vaporize it, how I use tobaccos and herbs. So it's uh, for those of you that are interested in using marijuana and tobaccos and herbs, uh, he- in a healthy way, just go to the Czech Institute, look at our online courses, The Healing Herb by Phil Dallaire and I, one of my level four students who's uh, did a lot of research into this. And so, hey, I'll close it up. Um, Dave, what a pleasure. Let's uh, stay in touch and s- let's keep sharing our love with everybody because absolutely. We Listen, thank you. This is a global call to unite for all the people that care about mother earth. So thank you, Paul, for inviting me on your, on your podcast and spreading the good news. I really appreciate it. You're a total hero of mine. So thank you. Thank Yeah. Well, you are a hero of mine too. So aho, great spirit and appreciate it. Look forward to hearing more from you guys. Let's, uh, let's get busy out there together. Bye-bye everybody. Thank you for listening to living 4d with Paul check and today's guest, Dave Murphy, follow Dave on Twitter at food underscore democracy or visit the food democracy website www.fooddemocracynow.org if you would like to test your food and water for glyphosate at home you can get a test kit at tiny.cc forward slash glyphosate test you can also test your hair for long-term exposure to pesticides and glyphosate with a test kit from tiny.cc forward slash pesticide hair test. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living4D Podcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash Living4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the Czech Institute's blog at checkinstitute.com forward slash blog.